Welcome to the Kill the Lion podcast. It's me, Cody Clark. I know it's been a while. I've made a bunch of movies. Hopefully you've watched them. And now I'm back to making podcasts again. So uh, we got a great show for you today. Brent Michael is here. He's an actor. He's a filmmaker. His Vimeo is one of my favorite things on the internet. Always posts great stuff. Not like he posts it like every day, but like every couple months, something goes up and it's great. Brent Michael, Vimeo, M-I-C-H-A-L, not M-I-C-H-E-L. Brent Michael, Vimeo, Google it, go there. You know him from Fast Shark, by the way. You saw him in the Fast Shark quadrilogy. He's a fan favorite. People adore him in that movie. I adore him in that movie and those movies, that whole series and in life. He's a wonderful human being. You will come to know him on this episode. By the way, if you like the show, killthelinefilms.com. Go there, $2 per month. That's all we ask for. It keeps the, everything that we're doing afloat. Uh, movies, the podcasts, or whatever. $2 per month, killthelinefilms.com. And now, Brent Michael. Okay, just talk real quick. Yep, here we go. <laughs> Talking away, dude. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. The pre-pod sip. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Brent, good to have you here. Thank you, sir. It's fantastic to be here. You are the first in-person guest on this podcast. Uh, it's all been Skypes and Zooms and Zips and mm-hmm. Zaps. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to actually be looking somebody in the face right now. Dude, kick ass. This rules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's awesome because, as I was saying before we got going, your fucking studio here is sick, man. I mean, the DVDs and shit on the wall, it's unbelievable. This is, uh, this is like a dream room. Yeah, give the give the uh, listeners at home a little theater of the mind. Just name some titles that you see. Oh, uh, dude, complete collection of Mary Tyler Moore show. That's the first one that sticks out to me because I'm a fanatic for Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, you basically got your own Criterion closet. That's sexy. I love that. I saw Undeclared on DVD. You got all the Seinfelds, which you gotta have. You got sexy stuff, dude. I like it. It makes me feel excited to get into this. You know what I mean? It's like I feel yeah. like. It sucks that this is the first one you've done in person because having this atmosphere, it gets you jacked. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, we're here because of movies. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. we both love movies, so that's why we're here. I like that. I like that. How How is your collection? Is there anything that you have that, like, is dear to you? Or? Dude, let me tell you. I fucking, I'm, like, uh, pretty nomadic, so I've moved around so many times in my life, and then... Starting from when I was a kid, I had put together, I had a DVD wall kind of like yours, thousands of DVDs, dude. And then I kept moving in and out and I moved into this like sorority house with all these girls one time and I had like 15 trash bags full of DVDs and I was like, I can't live like this anymore. And I sold them all, dude, like a fucking idiot. And I think I kept like, I kept a couple copies of things. I kept like a Buffalo 66. I kept McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Nashville. I kept like some, you know what I mean? It was all stuff like that that I was like, these ones I can't get rid of. And even those now, no clue where they are. So mm. now my, you know, I, I have basic, I own nothing. I did it with my books and my movies, which is, it's sad to say, but it's true. Well, I'm glad there's guilt. Oh, dude, know? there's immense guilt. <laughs> the VHS a lot, a lot of tapes people, I had too, un- yeah. unreal, man. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, they get rid of all that stuff and they, you know, it takes a while for the guilt to set in if yeah. it ever does, you know, they, they're like, oh yeah, it's better because it's everything's on streaming and it's like, no, it's not motherfucker. Oh uh, dude, like, I got nothing but regret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sucks, man. It, it seriously, you know what else it did was because I was always poor, it made me look so, uh, 
like the design of my room was great. It was like, look at this guy. He's got a wall full of DVDs and then a mattress on the floor and nothing else. You know what I mean? Like it Priorities. gave my wall. Yeah. It gave yeah. my walls color, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned Buffalo 66. This is a movie that kind of brought us together. A thousand percent. Yeah. So we met at a Vincent Gallo Q and a slash screening mm-hmm. of Buffalo 66, which we had to sign. Careful what you say, dude. Yeah, we, yeah. Had, we had to sign non-disclosure agreements yeah. when we went in. That was just Gallo's little idiosyncratic touch Daddy Vince, there. dude. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't like you talking about him. <laughs> and I, I get it because has he ever been taken in the proper context? In, no. It's pretty rare And I think it's fair has. to say he even brought that to light, too. Yes. That, like, nothing he's ever said, be it in a performative state, like be him like trying to make a joke or trying to do something with his own image or persona. It's always been taken in a different way. And I mean, I think at one point he even referred to himself as like, you come across as a clown whenever you play one, but people take it as you being a clown. You know what I mean? And so I think that's one of those things that like when he was going through that and I won't go any more into it because we did sign all that shit, but like, I think that it was, it felt like we were protecting his feelings even more than anything. You know what I mean? Because it felt like someone who was hurt by what's been said about him for so long. Yes. And two and a half hours he gave us of Q&A. Beautiful. And it was the best, far and beyond the best q and I've ever been Unbelievable, to. man. I was touched. I was so inspired. I said, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like, because you read one of the scripts I wrote, that wouldn't exist without going to that. That night was so informative and so inspiring. And then I feel like I just kept my head down right after that and busted out scripts and stuff. Like it was just like, yeah, he set me on a good path, dude. And I would say one that like, not only did it bring us together, which then brought me in contact with so many other people up here, but like now I'm like kind of splitting my time here. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's getting me even more hype. And by here, I mean Brooklyn, bitch. <laughs> well, shout out to Ryan, uh, my friend Ryan Lambert, who introduced us. The Ryan. Ryan directed the fourth fourth uh, Fast Shark movie. He's mm-hmm. the blonde guy with the glasses and all that. Uh, and uh, We got wild on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you cut that together, dude. We were in there getting nuts, dude. We Man, fought. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> first of all, when I got to that scene, I was in tears laughing. <laughs> That that scene yeah, with yeah, yeah. with you and him and the fourth one the the kind of like you guys went you know you went for broke in yeah. that scene um that's that's a absolute favorite of mine it was like because like when you're editing these things you you see things a lot mm-hmm. um whenever I can see something so many times and like I'm still laughing just as much as the first time it's like all right there's gold here. And that scene, every single time I watched it, it yeah. made me laugh. My mom loves that one. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> her, the first one's her favorite, but she said really? the scene in the fourth, she was like, this is wild. I like that the first one's her favorite because that's mm-hmm. the one I directed. Yeah. So that <laughs> yeah. feels good. She said because, uh, I'm trying to think. She, Oh, yeah. She said because me and Piper were the cutest in that one. They, that was her thing. She yeah. said, you guys are so cute. There is there there's cuteness throughout, but I pride myself on being the the first to capture you guys' cuteness in mm-hmm. the Fast Shark series. Um, but yes, shout out to Ryan. He introduced me and Brent at the screening. It was just right at, at the end. Uh, shook hands, uh, very quick mm-hmm. meeting me and Brent. But like Ryan was like, you guys both like making movies really quickly and all that, and so. I went off and checked out your stuff on Vimeo, mm-hmm. which was great because I like finding good stuff on Vimeo. It feels different than finding good stuff on YouTube. Like uh, 
when I got into like the, I don't know if you're into like the John Wilson videos, like the. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. dude. So I got into all those on Vimeo before he had a show, before he had anything else. He would do those shorts on Vimeo. Mm -hmm. And it felt really special because there's like nothing else. I don't want to say good, but like there's nothing else uh, great on vimeo that like you have to a lot see. of reels yeah a lot of reels <laughs> a lot of tech demos a yeah, lot of yeah, camera yeah. tests just like random shit people throw up um but yeah john wilson videos got really into those if you haven't seen his show how to with john wilson on hbo Kicks it's a great show ass, yeah dude. endorsed by both me and brent um but yeah watching all your shorts on vimeo i felt like that again i was i felt like i was discovering something that you know probably could get you could get absorbed into the system like any of us uh it's good enough for that not that i would ever wish that on on my worst enemy right um but yeah yeah. and going through your stuff it kind of all blended together in like a cohesive aesthetic and i was enjoying everything and then like you know you watch all my stuff we kind of like came back together and realized we both kind of knew what we were doing and Mm -hmm. like and it was you know off to the races from there um yeah on that first phone call i was like oh dude we're about to fucking work together boy because you know sometimes you talk to people and you're like all right yeah cool i'll hear from you in six years or something you know but like as soon as we talked on the phone i was like oh shit like not only are we like gonna work together but we're like i feel like we immediately um instituted that like i trust you with my ideas and you trust me yours too because i feel like right after that you were like i'm also thinking about this thing i'm gonna do and then i sent you two scripts and then you know what i'm saying so we started just like already being like yo what do you think about this what do you think and then that to me is my favorite you know what i mean like that's all i want to do is fucking have fun with people that i care about and do the best we can you know what i mean and it felt like you had the exact same thing yeah i uh i don't i don't wait if i if i see gold or if i see some sort of uh path that just feels like it's being laid out for me in like a in a in an artistic way like i just kind of like Cause like that moment can change that wormhole can close and like, then you miss that opportunity or whatever. Yeah. And so I, if I see an opportunity, if I see not like a, uh, in, in a networking sense, but in like a genuine artistic, like, Oh, this lines up and mm-hmm. this, I, the juices are flowing and the creativity is coming and like this person gets something and I get their thing or whatever. Um, that was the feeling where like, I, I always like the movies that I make where I see, somebody's face and then i see a character and i just write that character and they're game for it like with invisible shark or with ramekin or whatever a lot of these movies i just saw somebody's face and i was like i could see a movie i'm gonna pitch it to them you know we're not talking about like george clooney or something we're talking about like people on backstage like i'm writing these crazy fucking emails where i'm like (laughs) i saw your face i could see a movie blah 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 and luckily more often than not by like a wide margin people are totally game and the movie becomes great and that yeah. was similar with you know seeing your stuff and meeting you i saw uh, an idea for a movie which we'll do we'll be doing at some point um when the time is right but also you know you watched my stuff you saw a particular face found uh, my lady dude yeah <laughs> yeah dude. We, we don't want to bury the lead he found his lady by watching dude, found my, my baby movie, girl which, that's right if i hadn't worked with her mm-hmm. You might not know her right now. Sad. 
And this is one of the biggest creative developments. Uh, a thousand percent. Yeah, in your in your career as a filmmaker, actor. Yeah. Ella, let's talk about Piper, who you will know uh, those at home from Ramekin 2. She played Jane, mm-hmm. and you watched Ramekin 2. What was your reaction? Oh, dude, the second I saw her, I was like, oh, shit, she's bringing something else. I'm pretty sure I texted you while I was watching it, and I was like, yo, the girl playing Jane, what the fuck? Because the scenes with you and her, she was so believable. And then I watched um, uh, Oscars. And I've told her this before, and she'd probably be embarrassed to hear this part, but there's a moment where I think she wins like a best breath. And there's a moment where you're like, can we get a smell? And it's like, she like breathes on the lens, but right before it, there's this moment and she looks so vulnerable. And I always tell her, it looks like a young Goldie Hawn, not in her looks, but in like, you know, in Sugarland Express, when the pig pees on Goldie Hawn and she's like, (laughs) ah, and she looks at the camera and you can tell she's looking at Spielberg and she's like laughing and she's such a pure like beautiful person i thought that with piper like she looks away for a second and it was like oh that's a fucking real like beautiful person and then um yeah and at the time i was writing a script and then i started just as you were saying just kind of seeing her in it so you know then i hit you up sent you the script you passed it along and i would say that you're you know i'll give you you're responsible for us dude so now (laughs) it's a great feeling because you know obviously in making ramagan 2 i was just going off you know, my gut and, and my taste and, and everything that goes into my muse, all that goes into creating a project, you, you see a face, as we said before, and you just see something for them. When I, uh, when, when Piper, I, I can't remember she responded to a posting or if I, I sought her out, uh, specifically, cause sometimes I'll use backstage where I'll just go through hundreds of faces and I'll just like message one or two people. I'll do, I'll be the cattle call without anybody having to go to anything. Brilliant. Yeah. And then I'll just write to the one or two that could definitely do it. Like I don't, I'm not writing to like people who might be able to do it. I'm mm. writing to people who specifically <laughs> could. Sometimes they turn me down. Most often they see it just like I see it. Yeah. Um, Piper was one of those cases. I, I think, I, yeah, I think I sought her out. Um, and she, did a audition tape, which I posted on YouTube a while back. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yet. yeah, it's good, dude. Yeah, she is like, you know, you're you're a filmmaker. I'm a fil- filmmaker, so you notice she is like ninety five percent there. Yeah, and like all I had to do was like slightly tweak her with like a rehearsal, mm-hmm. and she, but she she got like I always give her this compliment. I've given it to her a million times. She reads my words the way that I would want her to read them, mm-hmm. and. That's not always the case with people that I act with. Sometimes I have to get them there. Um, I have to, you know, explain like, oh, I wanted you to have this kind of inflection or this kind of vibe or whatever. Um, but she one to one, kind of like Tarantino says about Samuel Jackson mm-hmm. or Christoph Waltz, where he says like they just get my music. Uh, she just gets my music. Yeah, she's a tremendous actor, as you know. Um, but yet, yeah, if I hadn't if worked with her you wouldn't know her right now which is like it's heavy but it's also like it's just further confirmation that these these artistic impulses like mm-hmm. mean something like they're, they're a thousand percent they're bigger than what you even imagine them for as your project mm-hmm. because you know she might have thought like all right maybe in my wildest dreams some big producer sees ramekin too or and and puts me in next big whatever movie mm-hmm. um but she found somebody that she really connected yeah. to, and now you guys are together. I was about to say, little did she know it would lead to her not getting paid to make a movie <laughs> in fucking bumfuck Georgia and, make, and sleeping on my mom's couch. <laughs> so 
tell me about your first interactions with Piper and how you because I I put you two yeah. together. I basically I, I I read your script mm-hmm. and it's one of the very few uh, scripts that a friend has sent me that I've actually liked. Like let's be, let's yeah. be honest because usually yeah. you just and this isn't like to to shit on friends of mine scripts, but yeah. like sometimes a vision is so specific that only they get it. And mm-hmm. that's fucking fine. Cause I've read shit where like, I thought it was like, it needed a lot of work and then they don't listen to me at all. And then I see the final product <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, this is good. Like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they, I didn't get it, but I didn't need to get it. Cause it wasn't my movie. Right. But I got your, for some reason we connected in such a way where like, I got completely what you were going for with the script. I could see it in my head. I could see her Hell in yeah. my head right away as though it was something i had written and i was seeing like an actor that was right for it so i i wrote her uh right after i i wrote the script i was like hey you know my friend wrote the script i he thinks you'd be perfect for it i think you'd be perfect for it uh here it is here's Mm -hmm. his contact info so uh pick it up from there because i don't know the exact yeah dude so then after that she uh she emailed me and she was like, uh, she had watched Tampa and shit, and she was like, "Oh, I'm all in on that." And I that's was what like, I that's what I sent her. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I gotta choose like really specifically because like I like yeah. all your stuff, but I needed I need I I'm not gonna say watch all of his stuff. Right. I had to choose something specific. And I sent her Tampa, and luckily she she really Dude, dug what it. You, that's such a funny thing because like, do you? It's so wild to me that like Tampa's like my calling card, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like that. It's one of those things where like making, setting out to make it never would have thought that because I, I think they're all, you think about them all the same, but that's the one dude, like everyone would be like, ah, oh, I saw Tampa and I'm like, kick ass, you know, <laughs> but like same deal there. She said that. And then I was like, cool, let's hop on a call. And dude, we talked for like two hours straight that night, mostly me just talking, just spewing. But, um, yeah, we had a really good conversation and then we've talked literally every single day since then. You know, and then, and a lot of it was about the movie we were making. So then she came down and we did like test shoots to cast the other actors around her. And then to also, so we did like, and I think you, you've seen that one, a portrait of Doromar, which is like, cause the feature is called Doromar. And so then we, we did that and, uh, we were just kind of bullshitting. She met like, it was, I think the thing that was crazy where you're talking about like in the art sense but also in the life sense she just our lives fit into each other so well like right away and it was like oh we both want the same shit like when we're bullshitting hanging out we're making movies and working like before i came over here just now we were walking down the street doing lines for like a tape with each other you know what i'm saying so it's like it's and right before that we're shooting a little short together this week and uh we were rehearsing that and doing like tests for that so it's just fun that like the things we want are so aligned. And then also to go back to what you're saying about her reading the um, doing like saying your lines the way you like hear them. I think one thing she has that it's fucking insane and that I'm like t- taking it from her actively is she has such a like barometer for bullshit. Like a line cannot cut co- like she herself will go like. She stumps me all this time. It's like this bit we do back and forth where we'll just be sitting here bullshitting like this and she'll be like, uh, I was going to run last night. And I'm like, what the fuck? And she's like, nah, I was doing the, like she's doing lines. And I'm like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so good. And then she'll catch herself if she's like, I was going to run last night. Fuck, I was going to run. Like, she, you know what I'm saying? And so it's one of those things where I watch it and I go, oh, dude, she's a like, she wants those lines to fucking come out like butter. You know what I mean? And like, 
anything that's even slightly fucky, she won't do it. You know what I mean? So it's pretty sick to watch. Yeah, she's a she's a wonderful actress. And uh, what kind of like tipped me off, like before you, before uh, any of that, that she she had something really special was that like I kind of like gauge based off the compliments or the comments that like friends of mine will give me after like a movie I make. So like after I made Ramigan too. Everybody who's just a civilian, all right? Everybody <laughs> yeah. who's just a normie was like, that girl was such a bitch, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Sick. filmmaker I know was like, who's that girl? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> because dude. we we see it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like wrestling. It's kind of like pro wrestling where like, in, unless you're a fellow wrestler or mm-hmm. fellow booker, manager, whatever... You're just gonna believe the kayfabe. You're gonna believe. Yeah, dude, she was uh, a good character. heel in that one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Fuck all yeah, the dude. Hollywood all the, Hogan. Yeah, all the audience <laughs> members, all the all the marks uh, are like, you know, she was she was so evil. She was so like I, I hated her, yeah. which is like the greatest for an actor. You oh, want to hear? I hated yeah, them, dude. Um, but yeah, every filmmaker right now is like, who is that? Yeah. What's, so like that tipped me off. It's like, oh, it's not just me. Like. She's she's got the goods, and yeah. that's who you want to um, understand what you're doing. You want filmmakers to understand what you're doing, and you want audience members to believe what mm-hmm. you're doing. And I that totally makes sense that she just wants it to be yeah. believable, mm-hmm. and that that's what she strives for as an actor. And I'm gonna ride those coattails straight to the top. <laughs> yeah. So you you guys actually shot Dora Mar the actual film. It's it's in the can Dude, as far full as feature. Hell yeah. 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 So. What's it, are you editing that now? Uh, yeah, slowly, slowly. Okay, S- the slowest I've ever gone. I'm ashamed to say because I'm usually pretty quick on the edit, but uh, but everything I got, I love, and the most. I mean, I love the movie, and I love exactly what we were trying to do. And I mean, we don't have to keep harping on her, but like the the thing that like means the most to me is who knows what the future holds. But if you're to watch it, it is a time capsule of us like falling in love. You know what I'm saying? Like it is like that. Um, uh, have you ever seen To Have and Have Not? The William, I mean, sorry, William Faulkner wrote it based off of a Hemingway book. But I've read the book. I've never seen dude, it. The fucking movie is great, but it's you actively see Lauren Bacall and Bogey falling in love with each other. You know what I'm saying? Like our first kiss is on screen in this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like with fireworks going back, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's such a fun like thing to watch. And there's moments where I'm watching it when I'm cutting it and I'm like, look how fucking nervous we are around each other. You know what I mean? Like it's such a funny thing, but um, I think that it's going to be, it wasn't what I set out to be the most captivating or the thing that draws you in the most of the movie, but I think it is. Like whenever I show people clips of it, they go, fuck, look at that. You know, one of my best friends, he said this hilarious thing, and he's so great in the movie. Um, he plays a character that wasn't actually in the script, but um uh he said when he was watching Portrait of Dora Mar, he goes, What am I looking at? The fucking periodic table with all this chemistry? And I was like, Hell yeah, dude. So yeah. That needs to go on the box. I know, right? <laughs> That 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 quote is probably one of the best poll quotes I've ever heard. Dude, it's so sick. He's a man. He he always has the best quotes. He's um he's an engineer that by trade, but the dude's a fucking he's a psychopath. Did you see did you watch Headass? Yes, yes. I've seen all your He's work. the dude in the dress who's selling me the guns oh, okay. with the right he's dude, you turn a camera on this guy and he turns in it's Jekyll and Hyde, bro. He's a psycho. Like you get him on camera. In this new one, it's so funny because he's in this scene where 
uh, the girls are doing shrooms and he's kind of like their guide and they started bullying him out of nowhere. And then he went with it to the point where they're dropping fucking snacks on the ground in the woods and he's walking like a deer, picking them up, eating them with his mouth and then doing like deer sounds. And they're like, uh, like speak like a deer in French. And he's like, Oh, so I'm like, it's just <laughs> the dumbest shit, but it's so fun. Oh, I can't wait. But I asked him one time, I did this like art project that was called, um, when I grow up slash skirt. And it was like asking people like, what do you want most out of life slash what are you most afraid of? And then it had all these questions in it. And one of the last questions was uh, like, create your epitaph or whatever. Like, what is the thing you would want people to say about you when you're gone? And he had the coolest line of ever because he said, uh, um, oh, fuck, I don't want to butcher it. He said, uh, oh, yeah, uh, he could keep up. And I was like, damn, dude. You know, in my head, I'm like spinning like a paragraph worth of things of like what I'd want said. And his, it captured everything. He could keep up, dude. And I was like, damn, he's good. Shout out Hunter Albee, dude. Shout out Hunter Albee. Mm-hmm. All right. So you shoot on uh, mostly tape cameras. You shoot mostly like mini DV, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. The tape, baby. Um what what drew you to that is that something mm-hmm. you were always drawn to because yeah. like when i when i started filmmaking the dslr cameras were starting to come out so mm-hmm. like everybody's using the 5d but i fell in love with the t2i I, I, that was the camera that was that was kind of like the entry level 5d yeah um and that's that was the camera that grabbed me because when i was starting to you know want to make movies and stuff i was like i want to make movies and i like tape cameras but like I don't want it to look like a tape camera. I want yeah. it to look like a 16 millimeter, uh, you know, whether it's a Jarmusch film or, mm-hmm. or whatever. That That's what I want my first movie to look like. And yeah. I can't achieve that with actual 16 millimeter because I don't have the budget for it. But like when I looked through the T2i and I looked at the video grain on that in black and white, I was like, oh, this looks like how I want it. Like the grain is the right size. Uh, it has the right frequency. Like, it, that that was what keyed me into uh, filmmaking was the DSLRs. Only way later have I come around and realized how great a lot of these early tape cameras are, especially the zoom lenses on them. Dude, and, they're sick as hell. It's yeah, a, they're so I, much I'm better than in now. love. Like, I can't stop. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is like, so my earliest, like, I, the only thing I ever wanted to do was make movies. So like, my mom got me one of those cameras when I was probably like eight or nine years old. And I was fucking obsessed with Jackass, like the TV show, the or the movies too, but the TV show specifically and still am to this day. I think it's one of my like, I have all greatest. of it right Dude, over there. I, I know I saw it, like, <laughs> it is one of my, maybe the biggest influence in terms of you watch Jackass and you can watch six episodes in a row. And as far as you're concerned, there's no narrative written on the surface of it. But by the end of it, I'm in love with these guys, the camaraderie and then the like the lack of pretension while also, in my opinion, being great performance artists and doing the same. And then they also some of them are from I don't want to say the South necessarily, but like they feel like they're from where I'm from and they talk to each other like I talked to my friends growing up, you know, and then to see what they were doing and to see like Johnny Knoxville specifically be so fucking charming. Like I would watch him and be like, ah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's like a leading man. Yeah, dude, he's a fucking lead. I have always said, and I'll fucking die on this cross, dude, he should have won an Emmy for Best Actor when the show was on television. The shit he would do with normal people, when he's walking around with the two broken arms, getting people to unzip his pants, or with the fake boner dude, to keep that up in public, like, I mean, it's unbelievable, man. Like, the dude is unshakable. 
It's a shame that it took until Sasha Baron Cohen and Borat for yeah. people to realize that that was like a high art form. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, he's the king of it. Yeah, Sasha he's, Baron Cohen. He's, he's wonderful. He's a goat, but, dude. you know, to me, like, I, I noticed the same stuff watching Jackass yeah. and watching any, any great performers that really put themselves with actual people yeah. in what they do. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, it's a weird thing because I think, you know, in time, people have liked Jackass more. I think mm. it took the movies for a wider audience to understand that it was art and there was something beautiful yeah. on a friendship level there. Because uh, I'm not going to be the first one to point this out, but it's like it's modern Buster Keaton. It's modern all of that stuff. Dude. And they they wear that very specifically mm-hmm. and they're, they're hyper aware of that because sometimes they, they mm-hmm. redo old silent film yeah. gags or whatever. Dude, it's Bugs Bunny. I yeah, mean, it's literally yeah. Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Like, you hit each other in the nuts, but you have love for each other. You know what I'm saying? It's exactly. like, if a greater threat came, they would protect each other. Yeah. So, as a kid, I was obsessed with that. I was obsessed with movies, but, like, I had a camera like that, and I also skated. So, I was obsessed with, like, video days and, like, Spike Jones shit. And also, like, home movies. Because my mom would always film stuff, too. So, watching those back, I was like... Even at an early age, I was like, why don't all movies look like this? Like, I'm more sucked in to someone's home movie and the way people kind of perform for the camera than I am for, like, you know, some, like, Hollywood movies you see and shit. So, my mom wouldn't let me say jackass, so we made jack butt videos, dude. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of jack butt videos fucking, you know, stealing, like, a Dollar General, um... Uh, buggy and like riding that around doing stuff but I would also make like action movies with my brother and shit but the thing that I always like felt like it needed to be incorporated because it was the most fascinating part is the shit in between the takes because like that is what I think got me with Jackass is that camaraderie yeah in the it's in home movies too so like I'd make an action movie you know on a tape but like I would keep it rolling when my like little brother who's like four years old would like fucking cuss and all my friends would laugh and then you film my friends laughing too because that made the movie better you know what I mean like to me that made it so much more palatable and made me like them and it made me like all of it and as I've got gotten older it's one of those things that i fully believe i'm never taken out of a story by seeing that and so i incorporate a lot you know like portrait of dora mar there's even the moment where like directing in scene piper and i are in the shower doing that um clothed we're in the shower in parentheses we're in the shower talking about the tornado thing and she does a take and i go stop go back do it again and we leave it in and then it does it again i feel even more involved in the scene when i watch it with that being there. And I think I was like, you know, obviously at one point so fascinated by like, uh, Godard and even in the phases of him where people liked him less, like I would say, um, you know, like every man for himself getting into like the eighties and, uh, King Lear and Hail Mary and stuff like that. Like I fuck with those just as much as I fuck with Pierrot Le Fou and stuff like that. And I feel like he was never afraid to like turn the camera to the filmmaking aspect of it. And so what it inspired in me that I always want to try to do in my shit is like, I'm not very like, I'm not obsessed with someone having an emotional connection as much as I am to them having a curious connection, like being excited by it. Cause I know when I watch movies like that or like laid apart or anything like that, I'm like, Ooh, I'm ready to go. Like when I watch Jackass, I'm like, let's go fucking make something. You know what I mean? Like it's stuff like that. So I think that's like always kind of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I think it's like, 
you know, whatever story you're trying to tell, what could be more interesting than people getting together and making a movie, especially if it's in a, in a homegrown yeah. <laughs> kind of way? Because like you turn the camera around on like a huge Hollywood movie, it's not going to be that fucking interesting. Fuck but no. if you're in your friend's house and you're making a movie, it's probably just as interesting, if not more yeah. interesting. Do you got American movie on this wall? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, because yeah. I mean, perfect example, dude. Yeah, I like movies about people making movies. That's that's part of why I even did Ramekin too. was yeah. like, I there were so many things that happened making Ramekin um, that were weird or funny or strange. Not all of them are even in Ramekin too. Very few of them because, you know, you start writing something and it just becomes its own thing. Um but yeah, I wanted to capture a little bit of like the idea of something going on while something else is going on, which if you want to get really deep with it is the the essence of all drama, which is subtext. Yeah. You know, the filmmaking is the subtext and the surface is the movie you're watching. Well, dude, it's one of the fucking greatest dramas, especially I mean, sorry, uh greatest genres, especially for fucking nerds like us because they're sports movies. Yeah. There's a goal intended already yes. in there they have to make this movie like day for night you know yeah. what i'm saying that's one of my favorites movies like that where it's like the goal is like to the big game they have to make this movie so along the way you just get to live with these characters and they become the most fun fucking movies you know what i mean because yeah. like not only are they you know because like i don't give a shit about hockey but i love making movies you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so like whereas i could be involved in a sports film I'm going to be even more involved in a sports film where the big game is them trying to put together this production. You right. Know? Yes. Because all this stuff is metaphoric. Like there's, there's Westerns that aren't actually Westerns. There's sports movies that aren't Hell actually yeah. sports movies. Cause every, all the beats line up or whatever. I always like, I'm a huge Mike Lee fan. I don't know if you're a big, Hell yeah, okay. dude. naked, naked to, boy. Naked yeah. <laughs> to me is a Western. Naked yeah. is a guy oh, rides the last gunslinger. He comes yeah. back into town. <laughs> He's kind of a piece of a sh- piece yeah. of shit. But guess what? There's a guy there now who's even more of a piece of shit. <laughs> Not only that, he can't go back where he came from. Either. Yes. <laughs> this to me that's a fucking western. Yeah, dude, it's sick. Fuck man, that movie is so I'm actually um acting in a film right now um that or it's actually shooting this fall. And the director, um, he's a good dude, man, and a good writer. He, uh, that was one of his like reference films. He was like, you should watch this. And I was like, baby, don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) I got no problem doing a fucking naked rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. Naked, naked is probably the best. I love so many of his movies though. He's, he's a wonderful filmmaker. Um, but yeah, back to what we were talking about, about, you know, the subtext of making a movie and, and all that, you know, one of my favorite movies ever is some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary, about them trying to make that album, (laughs) which a notoriously bad album. I'm a huge Metallica fan, but that album sucks. But the fucking movie Mm -hmm. is so good. I could watch those guys trying to make a bad album forever. Meanwhile, I don't ever want to hear St. Anger again. Dude, it's, you know, one of my favorite movies ever. What's the Dylan doc? Don't look back. Yes. Don't look now. Oh, oh yeah. F- are you fucking kidding me? You know what I mean? Like that, that one. Um, oh, have you ever seen um, The War Room? I think that's what it's called. The one with uh, the cage, the raging Cajun and when they're uh, putting together Bill Clinton's um, yeah, yeah. I presidential run. I don't think I ever actually watched it. Dude, watch it. It's like it, 55 yeah. minutes yeah. and it's the most fun you could ever have. Also, I will say, dude, I don't know if there's any truth to this, but if you watch it, I think 
Brad Pitt based his performance in Moneyball off of the Raging Cajun in that documentary. Too. Interesting. Because the whole fucking doc, and just like in the movie, the way he talks and like uh kind of like dictates himself in a room and then the way he always eating and there's a scene in moneyball where he fucking eats popcorn out of a coffee filter and that's in war room and i've always thought did that motherfucker take it from that either him or bennett miller one of them fucking threw it in there and i love it i was like what a nice thing bennett miller made in my opinion one of the best documentaries ever. the cruise the cruise the fucking cruise okay Uh, absolutely on the wall yeah by the way and signed by timothy shut up dude oh my so i've been telling piper about this dude i'm i just watched this movie dude like two or three months ago blew my fucking mind anybody who comes to new york city yeah i say okay you have to watch that movie before you come here it should be legally like the grid system the The grid system exactly i love it man you have to go on one of his tours. He comes I, back dude. to New York City periodically to mm. do walking tours. You have to go. I got it signed on one of those yeah. walking tours. But yeah, Bennett Miller, Moneyball 2, one of my favorite movies. Brilliant. I, it's on the wall as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I adore Moneyball. Wall. It's so funny. I, I love Moneyball, but there's this one scene in Moneyball where I can tell that I, I forget which scene it was, but I could tell that Brad Pitt was like having a little trouble getting into what that scene was mm-hmm. because he literally reverts back to Inglorious Bastards to get through <laughs> that one scene. Yeah. It's it's only for one scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he totally just channels Inglorious Bastards yeah. just to get through just that moment. Dude, um, let me give you another hot take. I think Brad Pitt cursed with the looks of a Greek god, dude. Oh, I yeah. think he's one of our greatest character actors. He's fantastic. Unbelievable, dude. The shit he can do. Like, he has so many little moments. And that, I think that's my, like, the thing that fascinates me most by actors and movies and shit is just little moments. But, like, dude, there's this moment in The Mexican, which hilarious film to reference considering how great his filmography is. But, like, there's a scene where he has been losing the whole time. He's like a born loser, dude. And he keeps fucking up left and right. And then he has this moment where like James Gandolfini is, is dead. And it's like kind of his fault. And Julia Roberts is upset and stuff, but he's standing behind them and he's like, yes, yes, I win. And it's the, like this little dance he does to himself, you know? And then of course, when he's dancing on the treadmill and burn after reading and shit, like, I'm like this dude's phenomenal, man. I love him with Gandolfini and True Romance. Sick. Dude. I mean, that's just yeah. uh, what what could you want more out of that drugged character, yeah. that 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 high character than what Brad Pitt gave in that yeah. movie? It's like the one of the best moments ever. Um, a Brad, if we're talking about Brad Pitt, one of my favorite Brad Pitt performances because mm-hmm. it's so unique and the movie itself is so unique and strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meet Joe Black, dude, awesome. I love Meet Joe yeah. Black, and he shits on that one. It's look. That director yeah. is one of the it's one of the saddest uh filmography stories ever because he he, he directed hit after hit. Mm-hmm. He directs Geely, the yeah. the <laughs> yeah, ben the Benefer yeah, yeah, yeah. the Benefer vehicle. Shit, yeah. <laughs> quits filmmaking. <laughs> quits filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the guy who directed Midnight Run. Yeah, dude, Midnight Run. Scent of a Woman. Get it, boy. Scent of a fucking woman. Yeah. Going in style, which I don't know if you've seen, but is incredible. The original? The original. I was about to say, no, I no. didn't watch that Zach Braff fucking... No, no, no. you kidding me? The original going in style is fantastic. <laughs> okay, sick. Um. Anyway, you go through his filmography. It's just hit after hit after hit. Yeah. One of the best... Uh, Martin Brest, by the way. Yeah. Oh, one, yeah, dude. Martin Brest. One of the best filmmakers... 
directs one flop. Yeah, man. Quits the game forever. Damn, dude. They Meet did, Joe Black. You know one the of problem? his films. They didn't get it, dude. The thing with <laughs> the thing with that filmmaker Martin Brest. Every one of his movies, the first time I see them, mm-hmm. I'm like, when am I going to connect with this? When's this going to get going? Mm-hmm. When's it going to happen? And then at some point during the movie, I can't pinpoint when, mm-hmm. I'm just totally in it. And yeah. I'm in it forever. And that's how I felt watching Scent of a Woman the mm-hmm. first time, where it takes a while. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, the he does these really long first acts, I've noticed, with Martin yeah. Brest. Oh, dude, he does, because I'll tell you, the moment in Midnight Run is when he's doing the fucking gig with the money. Mm-hmm. When the the tables turn, the power shifts, and then Charles Grodin, rest in peace, he fucking like shows uh, De Niro how to do it. And I was like, damn, this is tight. Yeah, yeah. This is amazing. Scent of a Woman now is one of my favorite movies ever. I've seen it yeah. like 20 times. Uh, I watch it like every Thanksgiving for some yeah. reason. Because I, I like weird little Thanksgiving movies. Oh, um, yeah, dude. Pieces of April, one of the best Thanksgiving movies. Home for the Holidays. You ever seen that one? Jodie Foster I like directed. It. I don't uh, dude, like it. I, you know what? I watched that one because Robert Downey Jr. said... <laughs> because he was, you know, he was deep on heroin in that one. And he said <laughs> that he think because I read an interview where he just recently got off heroin. And this is in the 90s when he's like, yeah, I might do it again. Like, I don't give a fuck, you know. And they said, uh, someone said, how do you feel like when you go back and look at those? And he said, I think it's the most relaxed performance in cinema. <laughs> I was like, dude, I got to check this out. Watched it. He's not wrong, dude. He's fucking eating up the screen. Interesting. He's so good in it, which... I think he's fantastic, period. You know, like I would say like, especially when I was in high school watching like Less Than Zero, I was like, that's how you do it. You know, yeah. like, that is how you fucking do it. But um, yeah, I think he's the man, dude. He is fantastic. I'll I'll rewatch that one because I, I want to focus on exactly what you're talking about. Watch I think it's him, a different movie. I don't remember anything else about it. Yeah. I just remember him playing football in the street and him fucking with his sister and like all this stuff. And I just remember being like, dude, RDJ, man. Like he fucking, he lights up every scene he's in, dude. He just puts like a little fucking sprinkle of magic on it, you know? If you can key into a particular performance, even if it's a supporting character, I've, I've oh, yeah. noticed that like movies just get instantly better. Yeah, because honestly, that's probably what gets a, a director through editing editing a movie that maybe yeah. they're not a hundred percent proud of. Dude, I, don't, I have to do it with some like actors I love. Like, dude, yeah. you want to go through and watch Mickey Rourke's filmography? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're watching some turds, bro. But you yeah. are watching a man do fucking fantastic work. You know, like I love, last I night, love Mickey Rourke. Oh, he's the man. Last night, me and uh, Piper watched Spun, dude. And every time he's on screen, I'm like, look at him go, dude. Fucking Mickey Rourke. The rest of the movie, I'm like, whatever, dude. Yeah. But fucking Mickey Rourke. Spun's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, not yeah, a dude. very good movie. No, not at all. But he's fucking great, dude. Yeah. And then, like, one of my all-time favorite movies is The Pope of Greenwich Village. And him and Eric Roberts in that? Come on. That's actually the best part of Spun, dude, is they share the screen. Yeah. They share the fucking screen together again for the first time. I don't know. Maybe they were in something else, but as far as I know, since Pope... And they're they're beautiful together, you know. Have you seen uh, Wild Orchid? Hell yeah, dude. Good, I, dude. I've watched all. I've I the only one of his that I'm like I gotta watch it. I haven't yet is Year of the Dragon, but I'm oh, okay. pumped to watch it, dude. I'm fucking pumped. See, I I love that director. Yeah. I love Heaven's Gate. 
Dude, uh, Heaven's Gate, masterpiece. Another hot take. We got to let it out. See? Heaven's Gate fucking rules, dude. It's better than Deer Hunter. I'm it putting is. it on paper, bro. Dude, I Deer saw- Hunter was a warm-up for fucking Heaven's Gate, yes. dude. Isabelle Huppert, fucking Mickey Rourke, fucking Christopher Walken, dude. Give it up, man. Fucking like, Heaven's Gate. You're like the Alex Jones of cinema right now. <laughs> <laughs> he dude. went so hard on the... I don't know if the mic is going to pick up as hard as he went on, oh, on the actual dude. microphone itself yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. but... Oh, dude, hands in the air. That was, that was beautiful. Yeah, Heaven's man. Gate, yeah. I saw Heaven's Gate before I saw Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. So my threshold of like, all right, I'm yeah. sure Deer Hunter is better because everybody says it's better. Nah, dude, they're out of their minds. Heaven's Gate is, first of all, it's one of the most beautifully photographed movies ever. Hands down. Ever. Deer Hunter, I appreciate what it's doing. Yeah. That's the best I can say about it. I appreciate what it's doing. Yeah. However, fucking Heaven's Gate on every level, mm-hmm. is so much better. Well, dude, what he did, seriously, I, I feel like he went, Deer Hunter, let me warm up. Which, yes. by the way, his first movie, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, also a fucking killer. I love it to death. But Deer Hunter, it was like a warm-up for fucking Heaven's Gate. And the thing that he does that I try to tell everyone, because they'll be like, oh, it's like three and a half hours. And I'm like, dude, it's three and a half hours of having a fucking blast. Like, that's what he does so well, is like... Yes, there is a message in there and there's things that he's saying, but he fucking unveils them through like all these scenes of good times, dude. Like he like good times, bad times, but you're always having a good curious time as a viewer because you're like, I like these characters, dude, and I like the lives they're living. Like, dude, the whole sequence in Heaven's Gate where they're roller skating and dancing phenomenal dude beautiful all the shit at harvard everything with isabelle huppert because in my opinion acting changed when isabelle huppert did the piano teacher like i think she's the fucking she's i feel like uh dude i'll give hot takes all fucking day but i feel like meryl streep we need to stop giving her the crown dude isabelle huppert wears the crown agree right all right there it is and if i'm gonna i'll make even another one francis mcdormand's over meryl streep too there it is i still love meryl but she's not the top of the mountain (laughs) <laughs> these are these are all fair things you're saying i'm not as big a francis mcdormand fan as you yeah. but these are all completely fair yeah, things yeah, yeah. to say but isabella pair top of the mountain absolutely heaven's gate to me let me see how you feel about this i think structurally and if you can key into this aspect anybody can get into it mm. look this is this is an 80s movie okay mm. it is capturing the exact same 80s vibe of people that went to college together went out into the world (laughs) it wasn't what they thought it was going to be and then they reconnect Mm -hmm. you could do that with robert downey jr you could do that with rob Lowe. you could do that with whatever but let's do a period version of that Mm -hmm. let's show that this is timeless about america you you get told something about what america is maybe one friend gets told one thing maybe another friend gets told another thing but you get lied to about what the american experience is Mm -hmm. You learn what it actually is, and then the thing that unites you and your friend that you haven't talked to in a while is that you both got kind of fucked with what you thought the world was going to be. Absolutely, That's what the movie is about. That's what the movie is, and if it had been done with Molly Ringwald and like Anthony Michael (laughs) Hall and all that, it would be like, oh, that's one of John Hughes' best movies Mm -hmm. or whatever, but because it's a period piece and people just read period piece and they don't Mm -hmm. think a little bit deeper into it yeah they're like oh that's an inaccessible movie it may be beautiful but like it doesn't mean anything it's like fuck you it doesn't mean anything it means just as much as a john hughes vehicle Mm -hmm. uh it's just different and it's more artful 
Well, dude, it's also got something, there's something fascinating in there and I'm not really smart enough to like decode what it is, but there's something about finding morality through love, dude. And that's what like the movie starts and I'm like, I'm all in on Chris Christopherson. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like so many good movies do, we're fucking an hour and a half in and I go, oh, Christopher Walken's the guy. Yeah. Like he's the hero here, dude. You know what I'm saying? Because first thing you see of him, uh, hateful. You know what I'm saying? But you, again, you're you're catching these characters as they're finding their way through what you what you said is perfect. It's them finding out what America really is based yeah. on what they thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, dude, John Hurt. Oh my god, come on, dude. That's his. That's the best I've be ever MVP seen him. Of that. Yeah, best yeah, yeah, I've yeah. ever seen him. I agree with that. Man, that's another. Got... That's our other take. John Hurt, best performance. Yes, Heaven's game. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't even remember where we were before we went off on this, uh, but I'll, I'll just keep asking you questions. Dude, um, hit me. So when you when you're shooting with Piper and all that, mm-hmm. um, and you're feeling feelings, and you think maybe she's feeling them too, yeah. how do you reconcile that with the fact that you know you're making a movie, so you want to stay a little professional? Yeah. When did the click kind of or the switch or whatever happen where like? You knew for sure that she liked you, or and if this is too personal, it's no, fine. not at all. I just think it's a yeah. fascinating part of the process because yeah. you know, in making a movie, most often mm-hmm. it's about all right. I got to do what's best for the movie. I got to do what's a thousand best for percent, the movie. dude. So, what was that process like so for you? What happened was we shot the test footage, and this is three weeks before we're going to shoot the movie. We shoot the test footage, and I'm already like, uh, I'm falling for. You know what I'm saying? One, because I'm watching what she can do and I'm like, I was right. You know, I'm like you're phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? I was right. Cody was right. Everyone who I've showed footage of her, everyone was right. She fucking brings it. But then at the same time, I'm like, dude, I'm catching feelings because like we're staying, um, you know, she's staying with me and we're having these fantastic talks and stuff. And I'm already in my head. I'm like, I'm this is if nothing happens romantically with us, this is going to be one of my best friends for the rest of my life, you know? And then that's what love feels like. It, it, that's what it was, dude, yeah. was it was 100% that obviously I was extremely attracted to her, but beyond that, it was that I didn't want her company to leave. Yeah. I fucking wanted to be around her because we laughed. We, we immediately like had the same sense of humor. I'll tell you this one joke. She did this fucking brilliant. So we just did another, we've done like 10 things together. Cause now we just keep getting on shit and we're like, Hey, you know, it'd be good. You know what I mean? So we did this thing and I knew the guy who was, uh, I knew the fucking AC and I was like chatting it up. I'd known him for years and then we're leaving for the day and we're like, all right, bro, like I'll see it. And then as we're saying goodbye, she holds out the QR code to her Venmo to him. And he's like, what the fuck? Like he like starts to open his camera and I'm dying laughing. Cause I'm like, bro, she's fucking with you, man. And he's like, okay. I was like, what is this? Like, do I have to pay this person. But like, there was something about like, just immediately she had that sense of humor where like, I don't think she cared if he or I either one knew she was fucking with him. But the fact that she was, and I did pick, I was like, this is like, nothing could be sexier to me. You know what I mean? Like that, that that. that comedic impulse has like literally cost me. She's a big queen. Yeah, dude. And it's the greatest. I do not care because like, I I feel like, especially in high school, I was that person who, (laughs) for me the cardinal rule never break like yeah just you, you hold it 
Keep it going <laughs> as far as you can possibly yeah, yeah, go. Yeah. I have friends that like are convinced like I'm an asshole to this day yeah, yeah, yeah. because I wouldn't ever break on something and I just let them believe it forever. Dude, she's got that too. I, I fucking break every time because I get so excited. <laughs> I'm like, look at what we're yeah, doing, yeah. dude. I get like a devilish fucking grin and I'm like, look at us go, dude. We're making bits. But um, anyway, so we did that and then so we're shooting the movie and um. Yeah, I'm falling for it right away because in the meantime, we've been texting every day and talking and like talking about the movie, but also just talking about our lives and shit, you know? So then we're making the movie and we're probably three or four days in and uh, we're staying at my family's home in a um, little small town in Georgia. And each day, like, so she's just in my like mom's house, you know, like my dog's there, she's there, my brother's there and it just feels so right. You know what I mean? And then we shot our scenes together. And in our scenes, you know, we had like our first kiss, as I said. And then we have, um, you know, we have like scenes that are kind of romantic together. But the way I like to shoot is like we shot probably three or four pages that were written. But we shot all fucking day of other shit. And so on camera, we're just like having a date together, basically, you know. So throughout all that, I, it's like that thing you say where you see it on camera and you go, well, fuck, they got something going on there, you know? And so I didn't know if that was all it was, you know what I mean? So then, you know, as things went on, I felt like we just got closer and closer and I feel like it just ended up being a natural thing where I don't even think that we had to like shed light on it. We just both knew it, you know what I mean? And that was beautiful too, because it was like, ah, this is this. But part of me was like, okay, so when this is over, I'm just going to be fucking heartbroken. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to edit this movie with this girl who I'm like falling for, you know? I mean? I'm going to have to look at her fucking face every day. Are you kidding me? And then um, I think sometime towards the end of us shooting, I think we were both like, you know, because you don't know if it's just a movie or whatever. And I said, uh, uh, like, I'm all in, you know? Or maybe I said it when we came and did, because I came up and did Fast Shark. And, you know, when I did that, we spent four or five days together. And when I came up, I was like, I'm fucking all in. She's like, I'm all in. And we said, let's fucking do this shit, you know? And so ever since then, we've been just fucking kind of bouncing all over the North and Southeast, making movies and doing shit, you know, like <laughs> just wherever one of us gets a gig, the other one will just kind of go and just, you know what I mean? We're having a good time. So, yeah. so your fear was that it would end. And yeah, the, the time, truth dude. is it doesn't end when it's love. Nah, it doesn't dude. end. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause I was full I was like, for sure, like she's going home and I'm going to be heartbroken and that's going to be that. And then when it wasn't, dude, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're doing it now, man. Life is, you know, life's killing a little bit. I yeah. Like when it. you, when you came up for, to do Fast Shark with her, mm-hmm. um, that was the beginning of everybody I know going, <laughs> are they together? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what the fuck was that? Because... <laughs> You know, we're all just goofing off making a movie. I I press I press record. I have it on 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 the actual thing where I say to you guys, "All right, just do something or like yeah. do anything or something." You guys just go off and give me that first scene like pretty much straight through. And everybody else, like I said, ever since then, every week, every couple weeks, people are like, "Are they together? Were they in love? Was that real? What yeah, the dude. fuck was that?" How are they so good? Did they know each other? What's going on? And I've always, <laughs> I've always been like, look, because I never knew for sure until you confirmed it with me today. Because yeah. I, I didn't want to ask. Because as a filmmaker, 
I don't want to jinx these things. Mm-hmm. If somebody's giving me gold or mm-hmm. if I see gold, I don't want to comment on it because then it'll change. Then somebody will become yeah. self-aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm rooting for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to jinx it. I'm not asking about it. Uh, but, you know, 99% sure. But like, I don't fucking know. Maybe yeah. they're, that's just their process. But it, it was so great to finally hear confirmation today that you guys are in fact together. Dude, I'll give you a confirmation and I'll give you a thank you, dude. Because well, on behalf you. of me and her, we were actually talking about it the other day because I was like, yeah, I'm doing Cody's podcast. And she was like, I think he's, uh, I'll give it to him. He's responsible for that. And I was like, <laughs> I know, dude, a thousand percent. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty sweet. So it's fun to come back here and like full circle this thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing her later today. Hell yeah. All right. So where are we on the, we got, we've been doing about an hour. You want to really? go? Damn, that flew by. Yeah, do you want to go longer? We can go longer. Let's we go got longer, dude. I fucking we'll keep going. Let's keep going. All right. So where can we go from here? Um, I'll probably cut this dead air out. <laughs> no, that's good, dude. Uh, can I tell you something? Yeah, something yeah. I thought about. Um, I had a couple questions for you based on shit that I've thought of. Oh yeah, let's flip so the tables. I have a yeah. So I have a fucking genre. It's my favorite genre of movies. Okay, I call it the fuck shit movie. All right. Extremely popular in American cinema of the 70s. Think Stay Hungry. A lot of the movies Bob Rafelson did, actually. They kind of fit into that thing. Marathon Man, movies like that where Slither, you ever seen that? With James Caan, Peter Boyle, Sally Kellerman. These movies where motherfuckers just threw everything, including the kitchen sink into it. And the beautiful thing about it, and I know a million people have talked about like New Hollywood and maybe how it was squandered or whatever you want to call it, but like... The beautiful thing is that for that brief moment, it felt like no one was going, this is nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Because what's amazing is like life is nonsense, dude. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? My whole fucking morning was nonsense. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like that, that's why those, so those movies, they rip so hard and only recently have I given it that name. And I actually want to do like either a letterbox playlist or something of like, the ultimate fuck shit movies, you know, because they're the best movies. Dude. There's different incarnations of exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. because there's that period of that. There's the uh, mid 90s kind of Lionsgate, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, Larry Clark, yeah. uh, Harmony Korean version of that, um, which takes on a different flavor, but is totally. just as much fuck shit yeah. as, as any of that stuff. There's the Andrea Arnold version of fuck shit. There's, Beautiful. There's a lot of incarnations. Yeah, dude. American Honey. She. I'd throw that shit. in there. She's throwing everything at that. Fucking. American Honey. I adore. Sick. Her. Well, that it, was one of the first things we ever talked about. Yes. Yes. Sick. I. American Honey. Uh, perfect example of like a three hour movie that is not three hours. Yeah, dude, like it works. I don't care what it says on the fucking videotape. <laughs> that movie is not three hours. That no, movie's about it's seventy an 86 minutes. Eighty six minute movie, dude. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Some of the longer movies can feel mm-hmm. so short. Yeah. One of my favorite movies ever is uh, Kenneth Lonergan's film, Margaret. Oh, yeah. Three hours. Dude. By the way, if you're listening at home, you want to check that out. Watch the extended cut, which is only mm-hmm. available on DVD. For some reason, the shorter uh, truncated bullshit cut is yeah. on Blu-ray. Yeah, But the, the real cuts on DVD. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's that? that? I'm not surprised. I don't get it. <laughs> but... That is one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Three hour movie on paper, mm-hmm. not a, not actually three hours. Say the best example of that for me: Once Upon a Time in America. Oh yeah, Sergio Leone. What's it? Three hours and forty six minutes, dude. That shit breezed by. I oh my god, love that movie. Oh, it's it's love it with all of my heart. I I put that as far as dear to me as far as Robert De Niro. Hell yeah, like that's 
you know, people can go mm-hmm. on about uh, Raging Bull, nah. Taxi Driver. Yeah. Meet the Parents. Yeah, dude. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Meet the Parents. Analyze that. I, I, I think Meet the Parents, the first one, is really yeah. fucking Dude, that good. movie rules. Yeah, yeah, are you kidding me? Iceman and Maverick scene in the pool. I'm like, this so is good. how jealousy works. Like, this is brilliant. It's one of the most idiosyncratically funny uh, comedies of that time Hell period. Hell yeah. You can milk a cat. Yeah, exactly. All these great, the, the fucking sequels I can't, I can't do. Nah. But that first one is yeah. is gorgeous. Um, but yeah, Once Upon a Time in yeah. America. As far as great Robert De Niro, Hell that yeah. is, that, you can't yeah. ask for more. Dude, let's go hot takes all day. I'll give okay. you my top three De Niro. Number one, New York, New York. A Scorsese musical. Fucking brilliant. It's my favorite of his because he's so rambunctious, dude. He's wild. Like, he proposes to his lady and it's not good enough for her. So he's fucking, like, laying down in the snow, like, run me over. Run me the fuck over. Like, he's so, you know what I mean? He's like, anytime he knocks on a door, he's like breaking glass. He's a psycho, dude. You know? And it's so fun to watch. I go that, number one. Once Upon a Time in America. Number two. He fucking brings it. And then number three, I'm going to go him and fucking uh, Jackie Brown, dude. Oh, yeah. He's a man, dude. Jackie Brown's my favorite Tarantino film. Oh, same, dude. I, now, Jackie Brown's I, a master. If I'm bro. going best, like as yeah. far as like if I'm going to be that guy, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go um, Inglorious Bastards yeah. or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll go there. Yeah. But favorite, Jackie Brown nah. all day. Dude, Jackie Brown is the only one of his movies that gets better every age you I get agree. older, dude. Because I wa- you probably watch it the first time, 14, and you're expecting it to be Pulp Fiction. Right. And you go, what the fuck is this, dude? Then you watch it again. And like every two years, I go back and watch that thing. And every fucking time, dude, it, like, it hurts more. Or it, dude, your fucking heart gets filled up. Yeah, Robert Forrester, Pam Greer. Dude, when she, one of the best moments ever, when she's like, I didn't use you. You know what I mean? It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. And he's like, I know. And it, dude, oh man, you know, and then you think it's, he's following her at the end and he's just like, this is, that's, to me, that's not a Tarantino movie. You know what I mean? It's like, I kind of, there's a part of me that really wishes guys like him and guys like Wes Anderson didn't feel beholden to yes. their reputation. It's actually kind of Especially fucking Especially Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, dude, the last one I saw, and I'm going to see the new one, of course, but like when I saw French Dispatch, I was like, I feel bad for this guy. I think he feels like he's in a room and someone's pointing a gun at him and they're like, do what you did last time. You know what I felt about what I felt about French Dispatch was I felt like the movie that I watched that was released in theaters Mm -hmm. was the kind of like with Darjeeling Limited where they had the short film ahead of the actual film, the Hotel Chevalier. Yeah. I felt like the French Dispatch movie Mm -hmm. that is called the French Dispatch Mm That's like the supplemental <laughs> material to whatever the actual movie was supposed to be. Yeah, dude. Like, I would have fucking... Like, I want to see the movie about when they're not writing. Yeah. Like, show me the interactions and mm-hmm. build me a story that has nothing to do with their pieces. But then if you want to give me it as like an extra movie yeah. and show me what their writing is like, sure, mm-hmm. I'll go I'll go along on that ride if you just give me the actual shit that I come for when I see yeah. a Wes Anderson movie, which is I want to see fucked up dad shit. Yeah. I want to see great uh, uh, interactions in family stuff and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's what makes fantastic mr fox just as good as like his earlier stuff is because he comes back to that family weird dynamic shit and i also i i wish wes anderson didn't hate his first two movies dude he's a psychopath for that i give uh, dude another hot take i give the fucking crown to bottle rocket 
Yeah, Battle Rock it's is It's the most amazing. unique thing he ever made, dude. Yeah. I think Dignan's one of the funniest characters I've ever seen in a movie. The whole thing, fucking, dude, nothing's funnier to me than this motherfucker going, are you in the army? And he goes, no, I just have short hair. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Everything, awesome, we, everything the, the populace came to love of Owen Wilson yeah. later on, yeah. it's all in Bottle Rocket and dude, it's all the best in Bottle dude, Rocket. Dude, give you another hot take. I think Owen Wilson's an American treasure. I think he's Absolutely. a fucking phenomenal actor. He puts, He's like a fucking bolt of lightning. Mm-hmm. Every time you put Owen Wilson in a movie, I, will, I go, well, this movie just got better, dude. And it got realer. Because when he talks, I'm just like, there's something about like the airy space in between what he says and what yeah. and I'm like fuck dude like Owen Wilson is alive on screen absolutely know? and and Wes Anderson in my opinion his three best movies mm-hmm. all co-written by Owen Wilson the first yeah, three dude. movies now I love Noah Baumbach I love what he fuck did. Yeah, I love what he did with Wes Anderson yeah. but man it just it's to me a Wes Anderson movie was those first three and yeah. then everything after it was like did yeah. you ever see multiplicity with uh Hell yeah, Michael, dude. Keaton? Michael Keaton you know the baby. thing where if you keep is making, that Ramus yeah, yeah yeah I love that movie by the way yeah me too um the thing in that movie where if you keep making clones, mm-hmm. it's like copy of a copy of a copy, so they get dumber as you make them, which yeah. is one of the best sci-fi ideas ever. Brilliant. You take that out of that movie and plug it into a horror or a drama or whatever, that each time you works. make a clone, it's yeah. dumber in some capacity. <laughs> Idiocracy. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's almost a better concept than Idiocracy. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. The idea of you can do it, but... Mm-hmm you have to deal with the fact that they get dumber each time is fucking great. Yeah. But anyway, um, that, that movie, uh, wait, where was I going with <laughs> dude? Fucking. Wait, what were we just talking about? Oh, shit. Just before multiplicity. What the fuck? Why did I bring up multiplicity? Uh, Wes Anderson. And okay. like, uh, okay. yeah, he's yes, doing yes, a clone sir. of his okay. shit. Yeah. Each, each mo- subsequent movie is a clone yeah. of the previous movie to the point that it Thousand gets to percent. this Tim Burton diluted yeah. parody of itself version. Um, of like Royal Tenenbaums, he just kind of yeah. carbon copied that afterwards, yeah. and it just got a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. Not that there aren't good movies after mm-hmm. that, because there are. I think Darjeeling Limited's great. I love that one, dude. Life one Aquatic, of my favorites. Life Aquatic, I really dig too. Yeah, same. Um, I, I, the only, the first one I genuinely didn't like was Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, and then like from there on, I just I was like, what the fuck's going on? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Wes Anderson. I, yeah. If you listen to the commentary on Bottle Rocket. He's such a fucking prick to his own movie. Yeah, dude. He's like... Uh, Disgusting. He like barely remembers anything that's going on. He doesn't yeah. want to be watching the movie. Yeah. I don't understand <laughs> how something can be that good. <sighs> yeah. And that's something an artist discards. Yeah. It's just so weird to me. Dude, I wonder if I'll ever listen to this back as an older man and think, what a fucking prick, dude. Because there's so many times where I'll watch like... You ever watch like a young Paul Thomas Anderson? Oh, yeah. You're like, first off, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, everything you said, like, the movies are phenomenal. We yes. all know that. But in everything, you're like, this dude knows wholeheartedly to himself that he is saving cinema. Like, yeah. everything he says, I'm like, dude, choke on it, bro. Like, it's too much. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and love him to death, dude. This is not me shitting on Paul Thomas Anderson. I think he's a fucking, you know, I think the master is like the last cinematic masterpiece we've had in america but like it's a little fuck shit there's a little fuck full shit. on fuck shit dude yeah. full on fuck shit uh, that movie is as fuck shit as it gets dude yeah. and i love it to pieces he's into that dude robert downey senior mm-hmm. he's the goat of the fuck shit movie yeah. dude putney swope come on man masterpiece it, phenomenal dude that was so informative for me that one and like actually all of his dude you ever see babo 73 
No, I haven't seen that he one. He did that one prior to Putney Swope. It's only like 50 minutes, dude. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. It's like... Wait, is that the one where it's just stills? No, that's Chafed Elbows. That okay. one rules okay. too, dude. All that right. one fucking rules. But yeah. Babo 73 is... I hesitate to call any of his shit satire because it's too wild mm-hmm. to be satire. But like, it maybe starts there because it's this guy who is the president and uh, it's the last guy you'd expect to be the president, dude. And some of it's in color, some of it's in black and white. A lot of it is just nonsense, dude. It's a perfect fuck shit movie. But yeah, dude. Yeah, Robbie Downey Sr. is is extraordinary. Rest and like, in peace. I feel like anybody who likes Robert Downey Jr., like yeah. you're not really getting the full experience if you aren't familiar with Robert Downey Sr. Yeah. Because Hell yeah, dude. What Jr. means is kind of... Uh, he... I feel, you know, I don't want to play mm-hmm. therapist here, yeah. but a lot of what, uh, like, if you understand that Robert Downey Jr. is the yeah. son of one of the best experimental filmmakers who has ever lived, yeah. his career is very interesting in that regard. It's phenomenal. Dude, it's fucking phenomenal. Like, I love what you just said because I have a fascina- fascination with names. Like, I read Twyla Tharp's book years ago. It's called The Creative Habit. Fucking super good. But she was talking about what a name means. And I want to say, I don't want to butcher this, but like one of the great famous classical composers changed their names, like changed their name like six times or something like, and she's talking about how like you are born and you have to live up to your name. Mm. And so for Robert Downey Jr., like the whole world doesn't know Robert Downey Sr., but you grow up in the house with that motherfucker who's making those movies and you have to live up to the name you are given pretty wild dude and i think it's what makes him also fascinating like when you watch certain things and i see the choices he makes and i see the things he does have you ever seen shortcuts the altman one yeah everything he does in that movie dude everything he does in every movie i'm always like robert downey jr dude like he's too weird like i hate that he's in the marvel shit you know what i mean because i'm like he's too weird for it dude like he is fascinating like and i you know what's really a bummer is like right before iron man dude had a slew of fucking cool things like mm-hmm. he did a scanner darkly he did tropic thunder and he did fucking um zodiac and in zodiac he is phenomenal zodiac by the way my favorite fincher. dude number one fincher like it's let's so go hot good. takes all day zodiac's number one fincher maybe number one oh seven i'll also say i think 2007 is the last great year of movies i'll i'll let you i'll let you plead that case yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> dude you got there will be blood michael clayton zodiac assassination of jesse james and then on the comedy side you got fucking hot rod i want to say no i think 08 is super bad in pineapple express but you've got that era of like the apatow big budget r-rated yes. comedies coming into the frame you know and so all of those are fucking great yeah dude 07 ruled yeah 1997, I I always point to as the best year of the 90s as far as film. Yeah. There's so many movies that... And look, Buffalo 66, 98. Yeah. So, like, that's the one that... I was like, about to say, dude, I go, is Out of Sight 97 or 98? Because Out of Sight... I thought maybe it was, like, me, 96, dude. but... I yeah, maybe. Yeah. Love that one, though, But that, that period of the 90s, 96, 97, 98, that's, that's, a, that's a hell of a period. Um where were we before 2007? What mm-hmm. were we on? We were on... Uh, oh, I don't know, but I got another question for okay. you. Okay. Because yeah, I was having a conversation with my brother the Wait, other day. Wait, I don't even remember what the first question was. Ah, I don't dude, know if I fuck answered that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were talking about fuck shit movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my answer, yeah. which I began Hit me. at some point, was that there are different incarnations of fuck shit movies. Yeah. 
people, whether they're conscious of it or not, at a certain point in every, it's almost like a like a sine wave or something where uh, at a certain point there there will be the right um, what, what word am I looking for? The right um, situation or whatever mm-hmm. for a fuck shit movie to arise, and then yeah. subsequent fuck shit movies to arise. Um, and I think what you were just talking about with the Apatow stuff, I think there was a certain fuck shit quality to those comedies that made them so refreshing in mm-hmm. comparison to what had just immediately mm-hmm. come before. Where you know you could have a scene where two guys are playing video games and it's just yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. how I know you're gay, <laughs> and that's the whole scene. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. that's basically the whole yeah. scene. Yeah, dude, because we were coming off of the tight ninety minute PG thirteen yes. comedy, you know, and there's some good ones in there, but. And I think the thing with like, the thing with Apatow is like, the movies aren't always great, but the man's taste is good. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can tell that the dude was obsessed with Albert Brooks. And oh, that yeah. he was, you know what I'm saying? Albert because Brooks I myself to me love is... Albert Brooks. Yeah, dude. Albert oh, Brooks. Oh, my God. Yes. Come on, dude. Like, also, another thing I'll say with Albert Brooks, not only a phenomenal filmmaker, so underrated as an actor. Oh, yeah. The, the fucking different shit he's done, man. When he popped up in Drive, I was like, he's genuinely terrifying. The best thing I can say about uh, Nicholas Winding Refin or yeah. whatever it is, is that he likes Albert Brooks yeah. as much as I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like Drive because, yeah. let me tell you something, I love The Driver. Dude, The Driver rules. Ryan O'Neill, come on, In man. In a world where The Driver exists, there's, yeah, to dude. me, there's no room for Drive. Yeah. Because yeah, 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 yeah. I throw on Drive, I'm yeah. watching the first couple minutes, I'm like... I wish mm-hmm. I was watching The Driver right now. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to switch discs real quick. Dude, I don't know why that sent me off. Oh, I guess because Ryan O'Neill's worked so much with um, Peter Bogdanovich. Right. But dude, I've got another, maybe my favorite New York movie okay. up there. Because The Cruise is on that list too. Uh, they all laughed. The Bogdanovich screwball comedy Never from watched 82. It. Dude, I gotta watch it. Well worth a watch. One of my faves, Ben Gazzara, Audrey Hepburn, I mean, dude, it's and it's the one. I think it might have. I'm not really quite sure how it got buried, but it's the one with the girl whose star eighty is based on. Right, which and I they he was talked about. In love with her while they they were talked about it. recently on uh, Tarantino's podcast. Oh, he, really? He brought up, uh, okay, cool. You yeah. gotta listen to the star eighty episode in particular. Okay, all right, cool. It's like, yeah, I have a hard time listening to Tarantino's voice for too long, but <laughs> and by which, too long, I mean like five minutes. That's not good because I do have a Tarantino impression that I laugh into. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do it off. I, I have, this is there always, needs to be a prompt. Yeah, there needs no, to I be know. something. But <laughs> did I, you ever watch the Dana Carvey show? Yeah, yeah. They got a fucking great bit where it's Tarantino and Jay Leno talking to each other. And it's just, <laughs> and then their heads explode. And I'm like, yes, dude. Because, oh, dude, another hot take. Fuck Jay Leno, dude. David Letterman all day, baby. <laughs> Late Night with David Letterman, another super informative. I think the 1982 to 1993 David Letterman on Late Night, that's everything to me, dude. I I watch those and they give me fucking so much joy. Yes. Because everything is so conceptual and it's a man who gives no fucks, dude. I've I've always heard this like saying, it's like um, rebels in sweaters and you couldn't have a better one, dude. Mm -hmm. Like him wearing his fucking wrestling shoes with the khaki and something about it is just so interesting. And then like, you know, the top 10 list, I would say for people when they would watch it like later, like the top 10 list became what it was making fun of because it was initially making fun of like people magazine would always do like a top 10 something. And so the original top 10 list was top 10 words that almost rhyme with peas. And I'm like, that's so fucking conceptual and brilliant. And uh, I don't think 
you know, I think he gets credit for being the guy, you know, he's like the king, but I'm not sure that's for the right reasons. Like I used to like, he did this one thing. I feel like all I've done on this podcast is reference shit, but like, it's been fun as hell. But like, he did this one thing where he, he would call this lady. I think her name was Meg Parsant. Have you ever watched these clips? And he, dude, he did them like, there's a three hour compilation on YouTube. She lived in the, or she worked in the office directly across the street from him. And so they would shoot into her window and she would answer it. And he started to develop this almost like flirtatious, romantic thing with this woman. And every time she'd answer, she'd be like happy to talk to him. And she would turn to the camera and he would always get pissed when she would talk about her boyfriend and stuff. And he'd be like, what's up with that loser? Like all this stuff. And then one time it's like this beautiful moment in television where he shut down the whole fucking street um, by like the NBC studios and to give a parade for her, for her birthday and stuff. And he's like, I bet your boyfriend wouldn't do that. Like, you know, it's like, it was so Letterman because it was so like, what shit could we get away with? But then in that one, that one always appeals to me the most and shit he do with his mom because there's something so like, like familiar and like beautiful about it in a way. Like I was like, that's as good as TV can get. Like when people yeah. talk about like peak TV shit, again, it's one of those things where like, I just don't care about these fucking shows that come out. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't give a fuck, dude. But like something like that, that is peak TV, dude, because you're showing me something I've never seen before. And I'm like, I'm bewildered by it. You know what I mean? It's like actually like fantastic. And I think that like going back to the home movie thing, those are the moments I want where you're like, it, it, almost like, is this happening, dude? This is like, I can't tell if this was scripted or what this was. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, I think I interrupted your answer again. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was answering, so it's fine. Give me another question. Okay, so I got a question, question for you. Yeah. How much, if at all, do dreams affect your writing or you coming up with stuff? I know you mentioned faces earlier. Dreams. That's a good question. I have dreamed uh, full movies before. Beautiful. I have dreamed versions of movies that I wanted to see but hadn't seen yet. So like Whoa. before I saw Magnolia, <laughs> I had a dream that I was watching Magnolia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like vibrationally the same. Yeah. Like I picked up on something just from Beautiful. promotional materials yeah. or whatever. Um, but I prefer my my head version yeah. more. Yeah. But Did I love, rain frogs. I love I love Magnolia. <laughs> I think Magnolia's great. But you know, if it happens in your head, yeah, and it's just based off of whatever snips and snaps of the ether. Yeah. There's something special about that. So I've dreamed versions of movies that I hadn't yeah. seen yet before. Um, usually my dreams like are pretty normal, like, you know, high school, blah, blah, blah. Like all those things that happen to everybody. Yeah, dude. But occasionally I'll get, uh, I'll get a whole movie or I'll get a whole idea yeah. or something. And it's, it's deliverable. Like there's nothing, there's nothing I need to like downplay as yeah. far as like dream logic. It's, it's close enough to an actual thing that I can literally just write it down. Dude, it, they're gifts, man. Yeah. Like that. I've had a couple t moments in time where it's like, dude, the universe was like, rest your little head, sweet boy. Cause here it comes. You know what I mean? Like it'll find a way to get to you. And if it's dreams, uh, mm -hmm. sadly for some people it's drugs because it becomes a yeah. double edged sword. Sure. Um, alcohol, same thing. Double, yeah. very double edged sword for a lot of great writers. Um, but it'll find a way in the muse mm -hmm. will communicate with you, uh, in the way that, mm -hmm. that, that makes sense. Uh, for me every night, uh, everybody listening knows this. I write one poem every single night. Mm -hmm. 
Like I've done that since uh, September 2014. So I've written like 3,500 poems. Every time I write 200, I publish a poetry book. Brilliant. Um, But that has been the best thing for me uh, creatively because it's something I do. And I got this from David Milch, one of my favorite writers, writer of Deadwood and John from Cincinnati. Um, He always said with writing, he's kind of like the Zen god of writing. He says, don't think about what you're going to write before you do it. And don't think about it afterwards and don't think about while you're doing it. That's sexy, dude. That's fucking sexy. And what he said too is like the worst ideas are the ideas you have and the writing you do when you're not actually writing. Mm -hmm. So when you're driving and you have all these like thoughts of like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. You didn't, you just rewarded yourself from not actually writing. Mm -hmm. So what he says is he he wants to make sure your victories are associated with your actual fingers to the keys yeah. or your hand to the to the pen or whatever don't reward yourself for anything you do that isn't the actual process of writing so what i did with the writing of the poetry unbeknownst to me i just kind of did it cuz i always liked writing poetry and i just wanted to get into a habit of doing it again but what it opened up for me creatively is i created this moment every single day kind of like a seance for the muse to arrive yeah, and to arrive without me adding anything to it or subtracting anything from it or mm-hmm. editing it or anything. Just like, all right, I will be a vessel for about 15 minutes every single day. And most of my filmography came after I did that. I made two movies before it, but I was the kind of, Oh wow. Yeah. I so was, yeah, you really did. Yeah. I was the kind of creative person who, uh, created when the mood strikes, yeah, which dude. is the worst possible thing. Yeah, that's because, not a creative person. No. So <laughs> that's I, a, that's a regular person. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Do you ever read The War of Art? Oh yeah, dude. One, one of my favorite. Books. I had the exact same thing that you're saying, where it was like you fucking show up and you sit down and you do it. Yes, and that's that's what it is. And because I had the it, exact same experience. To me, I, I go one further than him because I really think that there's a, a connection between creativity and psychic ability, mm-hmm. which is we think about psychic ability in terms of like, well, why don't you know the lottery numbers, or why don't you know yeah. like this or whatever, and why aren't you using it to like control the world or any of these things that people say? Yeah, I think psychic ability is mostly felt in the real world, not through let's talk to your dead relative, but through let's make a fucking movie or let's make an album. Let's Mm -hmm. channel something greater than ourselves. We we don't know where the fuck it's coming from, but we have these vague terms of like inspiration or muse or whatever. Yeah. Um, Let's set the, the, let's light a couple candles if we're in the recording studio. The whole reason there are candles ever in a fucking recording studio is because you want to set the right fucking vibe for the album to happen. So you walk into some of the best recording studios ever. It's all vibe. It yeah, doesn't dude. look like a fucking like uh, like some guy's fucking like YouTube like man cave mm-hmm. where he's got like the fucking uh, foam on the wall and the fucking <laughs> like blue like microphone or whatever. It doesn't look like that because there's no fucking vibe there. Mm-hmm. It looks like a place with a fucking carpet. You have all the best equipment in the world. You got all the best microphones. You got all the best amps or whatever. But it's like, let's bring some fucking candles in here because mm-hmm. without that, we're fucking nothing. Yeah. And that humbleness creates some of the best albums that have ever existed. So I think it's a similar thing with any art form, which is you have to set the right parameters for the shit to fucking Certainly. come through you. And one of the things that the muse respects the most is diligence. 
Mm-hmm. You show up, you show up, you show up every single day. The muse is doesn't want booty calls. That's what most <laughs> artists do. Yeah. Is they're like, yeah, dude. hey man, I'm in the mood. Yeah. Why isn't she in nah, the mood? Dude, I'm fucking the mood beca- muse every day. It's nice because she wants a serious relationship. She yeah. wants to hear from you every single day. Uh, and people don't give them that even though they call themselves fucking artists. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're 1% of what they could possibly be because- yeah. If you don't have a good relationship with your muse, it's not happening. Yeah. Dude, can I tell you a sick quote I heard yesterday? Uh, I went and saw The Man with the Balloons, the Marco uh, Ferrari. It was playing at uh, Lincoln Center. They're doing like a whole series on him. And they did the trailer. And it was from the movie he made. Um, I don't remember the title, but starring Ben Gazzara, where it's based on the Bukowski uh, like books and stuff. And he said, uh, Ben Gazzara, in that deep-ass, sexy voice, he said, uh, uh I I'd rather do something dull with style than do something dangerous without it. And if you do something dangerous with style, you're an artist. And I was like, that's so sexy. I man. like that. Yeah, it's sexy as hell. But the dude who wrote that fucking quote sat down every night and fucking wrote. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. like, you want to write something like that? You better plant your fucking ass in that seat, you know? Yes, yes. And plant it without thinking that it comes from your mind. Because if you think that... It comes from your mind. It's kind of like the hand quicker than the eye kind of thing, which yeah. is like I think the, the the fingers are quicker than the brain, which Certainly. is it, it'll like figure it out later. Like just fucking get it onto paper, you know. Dude, I love hearing you say that. That's like my biggest thing is uh, I lack any perfectionism whatsoever. Yeah. I'm like fuck that noise, dude. Like I'm not I'm not here long enough to make something perfect. It's the thing of write the first draft from the heart and write mm-hmm. the second draft from your mind where you kind of like whittle it down to what it actually needs to be and you edit it. Editing, yeah. editing, you need a mind to edit for sure. Yeah. You can't edit with a muse because the muse can't even comprehend what editing even is. Yeah, it's dancing, baby. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's it, it, that, that use the brain at some point in the process. I use the brain a lot when I'm like cutting a movie together, but although sometimes like actual cuts, I'm using just instinct. I'm using my own internal rhythm and yeah, whatever. Dude. Um, but yeah, that, that first meeting of you and a blank sheet of paper needs to be from the heart Sexy, needs dude. to be channeled completely. And Ben Gazzara, I love, uh, I only recently, <sighs> Saw killing of the Chinese. Uh, oh, dude, dude, it fucking I goes so fucking hard. Loved it. Dude. Everybody was telling me, "Oh, it's like weak uh, Cassavetes." I watched that movie. Fuck I'm like, that noise, dude. There is no weak Cassavetes. There isn't. Well, I mean, I guess that one that he. Did, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we don't talk about that. One. I was about to say <laughs> anything post Gloria might be. We like, we sort of talk about the first one, and we don't really talk about <laughs> the last <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, dude, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> but when we talk about husbands and we talk about yes. woman, get the fuck out of town. Dude. Yeah amazing man. so anyway i only recently saw that yeah and i i adored it i, yeah, I thought it was i and everything everybody told me about yeah. it was completely wrong it's a beautiful movie dude watch they all left you're gonna fucking I, I love this movie dude he plays a private detective who he has to follow um audrey hepburn around because her husband's suspecting her of having an affair, she's not. But he's falling in love with her the whole time. I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you a Ben Gazzara deep cut in return. <sighs> Hit me, dude. You might have seen it. Yep. Have you seen Convicts Four? No, dude. Okay, this is a. Mo- <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome, though. Okay, I want to. I'm actually going to make sure I got the title right. I know it's something four. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah, look yeah, it yeah. up real quick. I think I got it right, but I'm going to let Google confirm. Yeah, dude. 
uh, whether, yeah, I got it right. Okay, 1962, Convicts mm-hmm. 4. Okay. Oh, Young Gazera, dude. Yes. Hell but yeah. Get a load of this, okay? This is a a a very liberal movie, uh-huh. okay? I That's important to know going in, okay? <laughs> okay. The entire premise of the movie uh-huh. is that he's this convict. He's this guy who's like a piece of shit. He's, I think he's like even like a murderer or something. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay? He's in jail, and he is therapeutically helped by creating art. So it's a redemption arc uh-huh. for somebody who's a piece of shit. Love it. Making art. <laughs> and so he becomes this painter in in uh, prison. And the entire purpose of the movie is that it's see re- rehabilitation through art. Uh-huh. Shitty people can make <laughs> art and it's, we should celebrate it. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of the thing of like only pure people yeah, should yeah, be yeah, creating yeah. all that shit. Totally. Yeah. So it just it's it's an interesting movie because right at the beginning of the 60s, complete mm-hmm. opposite position yeah. to now. So it's an interesting cultural like artifact. That is funny, yeah. Him being redeemed by being an artist as opposed <laughs> yeah. to his yeah. art being yeah diminished. Yeah, because exactly. Of who, it, his unredeemable. If you qualities. made that movie now, it would yeah. be like he's a painter, and then people find out he has this <laughs> shitty past, and then they're like, "Fuck his paintings." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, back yeah. in 1962, it's yeah, the complete opposite. So I love. It's a pretty good movie, and of course, he gives a great performance, as yeah. you would expect. Um, but that cultural aspect to it yeah. just enhances it, like yeah. takes it to the next level for sure. Can I give you? All right, let me give you my top three Gazera. Okay, they all left. Saint Jack, fucking killing. And then honorable mention Roadhouse, dude, because Roadhouse rips. Oh, Roadhouse is great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not we're not mentioning Buffalo sixty six because it's just a given. That, yeah, like, well, yeah. You know. I mean, dude, that scene's beautiful. Yeah, when he sings the thing, and it's so fucking funny when he, dude. Oh, we can't. Oh man, the story <laughs> about the knife, dude. Uh, I couldn't even tell it. I, dude, I'm not gonna take a chance. Yeah, of we signed Vincent the Gallo fucking suing me, dude. Yeah, but I will say. Uh, you know, everyone says that I look like Vincent Gallo's son, so I don't know if he banged my mom back in '94, but but I we do have a striking resemblance. Yes, very much so to the point that like my camera was just capturing Gallo angles on you yeah, while I was making fast it's shark nuts, without man. me even trying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ever do like uh, people? That's what I get the most. People yeah. would be like, you know, you look just like Vincent Gallo. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I've heard it a couple it's, times. It's eerie to the point of like biopic. Like it's, it's. Oh, dude, I'd do it, man. Yeah. I would definitely do it. All right. So um, I want to close out. I, I Last question I want to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, do, are we doing the stupid questions? No, no, no We'll get there. We'll okay, get there. sweet. Yeah, yeah, Buffalo yeah, 66. Yeah. For the longest time has been my litmus test movie for a relationship. <laughs> Shit, yeah, dude. If somebody doesn't fuck with Buffalo 66, mm-hmm. I, I don't care how attracted I am to them. Yeah. It's, I couldn't spend the rest of my life with somebody <laughs> that I would have to justify my liking of that movie. Yeah. So you pick a movie that would be that for you. Buffalo yeah, 66 man. is that for me. To, for, for me, it's, look, I could put a lot of movies as my favorite, but I, yeah. when people ask me what my favorite movie is, mm-hmm. I go to Buffalo 66. Yeah. Has that been a, a litmus test movie for you or have you had litmus test movies for relationships or anything like that? Yeah, dude, it was one of those, and I'm sure a million people have said this, but uh, that movie kind of changed my life, dude, because it was one of those where like it set me off on the path of watching so many other movies, and um, it's a total fuck shit movie, and I was so blown away by how fucking funny it was. Yeah. It's funny to hear you say the litmus test thing, because I remember trying to get my friends to watch it when I'd first seen it, which was like in high school, and I grew up in... F- like I said, bum fuck Georgia, dude, in the middle of nowhere. And no one thought it was funny. 
Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's funny, you know, fast forward to wherever we are now. It's not I've just, watched it a million by the way, times. it's not just funny. It's, it's brilliant. Fucking funny. It's, like, it's, it's <laughs> fucking funny. And, but what it always got to me, and this is what I would always say to people, I would say, did you watch it all? And they'd be like, yeah. And I go, how the fuck are you not like in love right now? Yeah. Because of that last scene. I agree. When he's in the fucking day, like, uh, sh- uh, c- cafe or the coffee shop at mm-hmm. the end because that scene i've never liked someone more on screen dude I agree. when he walks in and he's like give it to your lady you don't need it give it to your lady you know what i'm saying and he's like ah oh, you're robbing me like he's so fucking charming and he's so saved by love in that moment because he decided not to do a thing and that scene is so funny and it's so beautiful because this motherfucker calls up his friend and he goes you know what he was actually pretty good that year <laughs> we liked him yeah. Yeah, and it's like everything that he was gonna do has been shattered by by the love of this woman and then he's it's so beautiful and then you got that yes song sweetness coming in and it's everything i ever want to do in a movie because it fucking makes you feel alive and it makes me want to live more you know yeah. it makes you want more of your life because it fucking feels so good because that's the decision he makes it's like i want more fucking life right now like i don't you know it's what my I'm favorite like, ending as well i'm with you dude and it's it's gorgeous the man. thing too about it anybody who's wondering what gallo's like that's gallo that, totally. la- that last scene yeah, is Vincent totally. Gallo. That's how he wasn't the thing. He was so, and yeah, man, yeah, it is a shame because he was so likable and he was so poetic and be- he was such a, a beautiful speaker that yeah. night that I wish more people saw that, you know, but so I'll make one, one thing about the litmus test thing that you say. It's pretty funny is, um, I had tried to get a lot of people to see that movie, um, in the past and maybe they were like a romantic partner or something. Yada, yada, yada. Flash forward to being with Piper is how cool she is, is the first time it came up as a thing because we were making a movie. She fucking made a joke about it based on my shit. She goes like, yeah, we're talking about something. And I said, I don't even remember what it was, but I think it was we were talking about the look for her character, whose name is Belly in Doramar. And she sent me the picture of um, Christina Ritchie with the blue um, over the eyes. And I said something and I didn't even want to jump right into like, you know, and I said like, do you know what that's from? And be some fucking pretentious film, bro. But immediately she hit me with it. Like, oh, have you ever seen this one before? Like as a joke, knowing that I'd clearly seen this movie a thousand times based on everything I'd ever made. So I will say that like beyond past the litmus test on that one, you know, because it was I love like that. she threw it in my face. She which is anticipated pretty great. the test. A thousand percent. Finished the test before you even handed <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, Hands you it, the dude. finished test before you're giving it out to the rest of the and then students. she did it in a funny way yeah you know what i mean i love so, that yeah I that love was that. sweet dude and and for those listening at home of course chloe loves buffalo 66 has to. yeah has to dude yeah. yeah man that one that that's sweet dude you know the closest i came to fucking choking somebody recently was when we were at that screening and buffalo 66 came on and we're in this beautiful fucking place and someone yelled out something like uh, like fuck this i've seen this before and i was like you fucking motherfucker you're lucky you get to watch it again yeah you know what i'm saying like uh, i was may, just like dude what a prick you, you may know? have seen it before but yeah gallo has never pressed play before. exactly and you've Until never seen tonight. it in such a fuck it dude that place had there was a lot going on there's there energy vibes, in that room yeah. man there was energy in all there. vibes all yeah. right so there was something else I wanted to say. But I, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I wanted to I wanted to mention, I, I, I wanted to ask you quick, and then we'll go to uh, 
stupid questions. Um, watching your stuff and watching your your shorts and stuff, um, I I detected a little bit of a Harmony Korine influence, and I, yeah. wa- I wanted to ask you about that because he's a filmmaker I've kind of struggled with and yeah. had like a weird uh, relationship to as far as like getting into. Um, it wasn't until Spring Breakers that I felt like I got him, mm-hmm. and like everything else was just like practice hits, and like that was the one where I was like, "Oh, okay, I fucking get it." Like yeah. I, I didn't want to get it because I kind of always resented him in some capacity. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, it was a little bit inherited from Gallo. Like Gallo's great and everything. Yeah, I hate him. He he shat on yeah. like Harmony Corinne to the point where I, because I loved Gallo so much, mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't take him seriously. Yeah. Now actual Gallo. I'll 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 say this I'll 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 get sued by Gallo. But like during the screening, one of the things that Gallo said is he basically likes every single movie that he watches. Yeah, I know. You know, he said so, he's never never disliked a movie. Exactly. I love that. I Which was is like, beautiful. That's brilliant, dude. It's beautiful. So take anything he ever says about filmmakers <laughs> yeah, with a grain of salt. Throw it out the window, yeah. dude. But um, so my way in was Spring Breakers. Yeah. Some people's way in was Gummo, but to me, I'll, I'll, I'll my hot take on Gummo is. Mm-hmm. The trailer for Gummo that Mark Romanek <laughs> cut, yeah. to me, that is better than the actual film Gummo. Interesting. That's funny, dude. Yeah. I think he understood mm-hmm. what he was going for better yeah. than than Korean did. Now, subsequently, I can mm-hmm. go back and watch anything Harmony Korean has ever made yeah. and find something I connect to in it. Yeah. But my way in was Spring Breakers. I'm curious... Uh, what influence he has had on your work or, yeah. or anything like that. I'll tell you what it was, dude, is like everybody has the filmmaker for them that is a jumping off point where you hit a certain age and you're not just watching shit that your friends watch or whatever. You go and find your own shit. So he was that for me. I think for a lot of people, um, I don't want to speak for a lot of people, but speaking for people who look like me, they Scorsese or Tarantino or one of those, you know what I'm saying? And like, I watched all those growing up cause everyone in my family loved movies, you know? So like I grew up watching Goodfellas and shit and I was like, yeah, dude, that dude rips. Like who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? And I loved all those movies, but like it was when I sought out, I think uh, obviously kids was the first one I watched and dude, I was so young, like probably 12 or something, you know what I'm saying? And I watched it and I was fucking frightened, but beyond being frightened, I could not believe how excited I was by the early scenes of people just living life. Dude. Yeah. I was so blown away by the way they talk to each to other. To me, that's when, when that they're movie doing is at fucking nitrous and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, that movie. So it was that. And then I just started watching them all. And then it was almost one of those things where, like, when I would first watch those, like in like middle school or whatever, like trying to get a copy of Gummo in middle school was like pretty fucking hard. But like watching that was, um, me forcing myself to kind of stick with it. And I think that was the thing as I was watching it. And I was like, again, I had that thing where I was like, I'm so fucking curious, but I don't know if this is good, (laughs) you know? And then I kept getting older and thinking like, oh, not only do I think it's good, I think it's great. You know? And then like watching Julian Donkey Boy and thinking that like, as far as like American tragedies go, that's up there, dude. And on top of that, it's so funny. The colors in that movie. Yeah. That movie, the, the DP who did that also did 28 Days Later. Yeah. Which... Again, some of the best colors ever gotten from DV footage ever. Sick. Gorgeous. But then it was like, to me, what it was, was I actually had this talk with Piper earlier today because we were shooting something and I do not consider myself good with a camera. I don't think that I am good at composing a shot, 
But I think what I like and what I maybe pride myself sometimes on is filling up that composition with as much shit as possible. And that's where like the influence of Harmony Korine came in where it was just like extra, 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 extra. It was just like, I'm going to fuck. He threw every single thing into a frame. You could possibly, you know what I'm saying? You see the bacon on the wall. You see the shit. James Franco fucking look at all my shit. You know what I'm saying? It was like all those things. I was like, this is my kind of shit. You know what I mean? Um, With that being said, I think that like, I'm a little more sentimental and romantic. And so I think the biggest jumping off point and a lot of people reference uh, him as like, oh, clearly he was an influence. And like, of course he was. But like he was an influence in the sense that I like the way he worked and I like how much he threw into shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like I would never make the movies he made. I don't think. You know what I'm saying? I'm far too romantic and I care. Like, it's always funny. He's another one. You listen to him when he's young and you're like, what a prick, dude. You know what I'm saying? Because everything he has to say is shitting on film. Yeah. What I have to say is I love movies, dude. I love all movies, every movie. Like, and him like shitting on stuff and then being like, well, growing up, I watched Herzog movies. And I'm like, really? That sounds like a fucking bore, dude. I didn't want, like, now I'm obsessed with Herzog. Love him to death, dude. I think Strozak is a fucking masterpiece. I think so many of his movies are. But if you tried to get me to watch fucking Strozak when I was 13, I'd have been like, get the fuck out of my house, man. You know what I'm saying? We're watching Speed tonight, dude. Every every <laughs> like, time I've watched, uh, tried to watch Herzog's Nosferatu, I fall yeah. asleep. Yeah. And, and that's dude, the highest compliment I can give it. <laughs> there isn't a movie other than that, yeah. that 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 happens. Dude, I've watched all his shit and I think he's fucking phenomenal. I yeah. love Herzog to death. But like, I don't think that we're gaining anything by like, like, dude, my face, most of my favorite movies are like old Hollywood screwball comedies, dude. You know what I mean? Like I can fucking watch Barbara Stanwyck and Cary Grant all goddamn day. Like that's my shit. You know what I mean? So I think the way I've always felt like with him or with others, I can easily separate myself from whatever the shit they say is, is that I feel no like. I don't feel like there's anything to be gained from shitting on movies that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it felt like that whole class of filmmakers, that was part of their bag. You yeah. know what I mean? I think was it's, like, the, it's the lie they had to believe in order to uh, do what they were trying to do at the time. So it's like... For sure, yeah. It's almost like a wrestler that has to take their... Uh, their shitty persona <laughs> seriously yeah, 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 in yeah, order yeah. to the be heel, the best dude. heel so right, in order man. to be the best heel. Dude, by that's the way, a great point if we're talking letterman harmony on letterman dude, gold gold for for the longest time it was yeah. my favorite thing he ever did oh my god it's that's another thing i always say about uh harmony kareen is like my favorite things he's ever done are not even his movies dude. right exactly his performances on letterman a lot of his interviews they're phenomenal the mm-hmm. shit he says he's basically doing dylan you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's so fucking funny. And I'm talking about like early Dylan, like don't, you know what I'm saying? Like the way he would fuck with an audience. And then also um his book, dude. His book fucking changed my life reading that shit. You know what I mean? Like getting that book in high school, a crack up at the race riots. I was like, what the fuck is this? Dude? There's yeah. like suicide notes in there and shit and it's all like there's some of the funniest bits I've ever seen. Some of his film ideas in that book are better than his films. Yes. It's awesome. Yes. 
So yeah, Harmony Corinne came around to him later. I'll also say, I think Trash Humpers ultimately dude. becomes a love story. Yeah, dude, Trash Humpers is, that might be his best, dude. Trash yep. Humpers is, another hot take, Trash Humpers, <laughs> numero uno fucking <laughs> Harmony Kareem movie, I think dude. it's better than Gummo, for sure. Oh, it's way better than Gummo, dude. My, my issue with Gummo always was that it just felt like, like there are moments in it that are great, like yeah. for sure. They're just like, you could just piece them out and they're perfect. Yeah, dude. But- it felt like art kids trying to for sure be dude. real in yeah. a very artificial way. That's always way. been Gallo's thing too. Yeah. He's like this fucking rich kid from Nashville. I know. And, <laughs> but it dude, it does like it, it reeks of that a little bit. I think the thing that Gummo is like for all its flaws there or what anyone has to say about it, Gummo's a fucking ride, dude. And yeah. it's still like I haven't seen it in a few years, but last time I watched it, I was like it always happens with movies like this, and it happened with Buffalo 66, since we're just talking about it. Those movies are comedies, dude. Those yeah. movies are so fucking funny. And I think over time, people are like, this is art. This is fucking, that's the shit I want to do. And then it gets misconstrued, and people start to think that they aren't funny, or they aren't fun. And when I watch Gummo, what I like about it is you can tell he's having fun making that movie, dude. Yeah. Like, the whole thing, he's having a good time. And that's why that one, like, I love it. And I loved it right away, because I was like... Everything about those like playful moments of them, the shit on 35 millimeter looks incredible. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like all the other shit, like the shit that's like super eight or whatever the fuck else he used in it is great. But like, dude, shoot the BB stuck in the toe. There's stuff like that where you can just tell he was like, he was like, what if we just didn't give a fuck? Yeah. You know? I miss, uh, my favorite thing about that kind of nineties period was the amount of really interesting movies you could still make on 35 millimeter. That Hell people, yeah. people got away with murder. Like it, it was incredible. It was just such a time period where, you know, you had the last hurrah of 35 millimeter in yeah. some capacity, but it was tied to this explosion in an independent way. Yeah. And when I say independent, I mean what they termed independent at the time, because really actual independent is what I'm doing, you're doing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. people that are actually <laughs> just like they themselves picking up a camera and yeah. making a movie. Uh, you don't gr- get greenlit when yeah. you make an actual independent film. Yeah. So a lot of these movies we're talking about at totally. that period were greenlit, yeah. which is a whole other fucking beast. Well, dude, you know, and when I say jumping off point, I'll go back to that with Harmony Korean. The best thing about him was the reason I got into the Marx Brothers, who are my all-time favorites, is because of Harmony Korean. The reason I got into fucking Godard, the reason I got into, like, he was, I think everybody kind of has to have that, like, you find this one, and then they send you down those paths. That's what he was for me, and that's Tarant- why, like, he yeah. holds a place in my heart. Tarantino was, like, was that for a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, because he ripped everything. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, in and, and I I say that with love. You oh, know yeah. what I'm he saying? Like there's so doing. yeah, there's he ripped the right things, dude. He had yeah. the right taste, you know? Like have you ever seen that um Scorsese doc? Uh, I think it's called American Prince or American Boy and it's him interviewing his friend. It's them just hanging out, fucking wrestling and shit. I got to see that. And he's telling a story and he tells verbatim the overdose adrenaline shot. I'm talking I've heard of this. He I literally seen fucking it. Yeah. says like I drew a red circle yeah. right over her heart and I came down in a stabbing motion like l- verbatim dude he took yeah. exactly what it is and I can't fucking hate on it cuz I'd fucking take it too. <laughs> I'll, I'll give mean? a I'll give a quick shout out um wait I think the audio just messed up real quick one second let me yep. try the uh I'm going to give a quick shout out to my friend Lunch who's a a record producer uh, he does beats and all that stuff. He he has a great quote about Tarantino, which is he, he's the first hip hop 
uh, filmmaker yeah. because it's all about samples. <laughs> Mixtapes. It's all yeah. about samples. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, it, it totally is. That's he a- has he has a sample mind for filmmaking, which is its own thing. And um, you know, it for anybody else, if their if their entire filmography was different, and then there was one thing they lifted, then it's like a crime. Yeah. But if it's all you do, if you're just lifting yeah. constantly, it's an art form, and yeah. that becomes hip hop, and that's how hip hop became what it is, and everything. So yeah, you need people who are sample obsessed. Yeah. All right. So uh, I don't know if the audio is fucking up again. One sec. I can't tell if it's the headphone jack or if it's actually on the recording. Oh yeah. All right. Anyway, stupid questions. Hit me, dude. Before we go, stupid Let's questions. It, I have a couple written down. I'm going to bring them up. I try and tailor them a little bit to the uh, <laughs> who I'm talking to. Okay. First stupid question. Hit me. Why no E in your last name? <laughs> ah, yeah, dude. That's a good question. M-I-C-H-A-L. Yeah, Why baby. no E? Um, so I read that Twyla Tharp book, All About Names. Um that's not actually my last name. Michael's my middle name, and it's spelled M-I-C-H-A-E-L, like uh, most do it. But I read that book, and I was kind of fucking, I was feeling it hard, and I was like, yeah, dude, I, I need to separate myself some from the things I've already done and to finish growing into like the man or the craftsperson I want to be. And so <laughs> I was obviously obsessed with like uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat and people like that, and I said... And so it was a little bit of a mix of like taking influences I had at the time and shit that I dug. And then also my mom calls me Brent Michael and everyone in my family calls me Brent Michael, her husband. So like I grew up hearing that. And so it was a little bit of a mix of who I was as a child and who my family, the people who know me best, who they know me as, and then putting in maybe the person that I wanted to be as an artist. So it was like a mix of both of those. That's an excellent answer. Thanks. But if you need like a jokey kind of origin story for it, yeah. I, I've written one for you. Okay. <laughs> so me, if dude. anyone ever asks you again uh-huh. in any capacity, uh, wait, let me see if this is cutting out. I can't tell if it's on the recording. All right. If anyone ever asks you why no E in your last name, mm-hmm. here's, here's your origin story for that. Okay. Me, You're going with your friends to a party. Okay. You were supposed to bring some E. Some ecstasy. Brilliant. Okay. You didn't bring the ecstasy. You didn't bring the E. And so henceforth, yep. they stripped the E from your last name. Brent because Michael. You, because you didn't have the E. Yeah, dude. Okay. That's, that's sweet. That's the, dude, uh, I love that. I'm taking yours. Okay. Your answer's better. All right. Next question. Hit Next me, stupid dude. question. Hit me. Do you ever wish you had the E and not the A? Because then it's like Brent Michelle. Dude, Brent Michelle. I thought about it, dude. Yeah. Don't think I didn't think about it. Um, yeah, but I wanted to, um, yeah, dude, I didn't think I was worthy of the E. Yeah. You got to work with acrylics to use the E, baby. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm using tape. I'm an A, boy. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, dude, it's the first vowel, too, you know? Come on. All right, so if you needed an origin story for the Michelle, <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it could be that you were going to a party, yeah. okay, and you were supposed to bring some A. <laughs> you were supposed to bring some ass, all yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. You were supposed to bring some ladies, yeah. but you didn't bring the A, mm-hmm. and so henceforth, your friends took the A yeah. out of the name, yeah. and then that's why well, you're Brent Michelle. Based on who I am as a person, I definitely would have brought ass before I would have brought ecstasy. So, okay. Yeah, 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 so we're good there. All right. Exclusive. <laughs> All right. So those are my stupid questions. I love it, dude. That's, love it. Only two, but yeah. both stupid and, and a good launch point for some origin story. Beautiful stuff there. Well, Brent Michael, 
Uh, good to have you on the podcast. Please come back. Kick ass, dude. This was a blast. Yes, this was this was a great time. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you soon. Fuck yeah! Wait, any anything else you want to say to the audience before we go? No, I think I, I like the way you put a bow on it. When can we expect Doramar? Ooh, let's say. Let's say for friends, yourself. For friends, yeah. We'll That's all I it, care about. Yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah. when these fuckers Dude, for friends, it. fall 2023. For foes, spring 2024. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it'll be their favorite film of 2024. That's sexy. But it'll be my favorite film of 2023. 2023, dude. You get to say, yeah, (laughs) you get to have that argument with people. Yes. Yeah, dude. That's sweet. I like that. All right. (laughs) Brent, come back soon. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you all for listening. And once again, killthelinefilms.com. $2 per month. That's all we're asking. It helps us out here. And uh, I guess we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.